Two films into the franchise, and Lucas's gamble on the merchandising potential of his characters was paying off. The financial success was on an intergalactic level. Lucas, while he was writing Star Wars, imagined action figures of the characters he was creating. So when it came time for The Empire Strikes Back, he controlled all merchandising rights. The Star Wars machine was now a two-pronged affair, with the merchandising bringing in almost as much money as the films themselves. You might need this. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and this is episode 21, Hoth Stormcooper. Joining me as per usual are the usual bounty hunter scum. First up is our R5-D4 focus collector and expanded universe enthusiast. It's Dickie Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. Now, Rich, you've recently been a guest on the awesome podcast from the Jedi News Network, The Collector's Cast. Yeah, I have. Well, it was a father's from. Um, I was taken a bit by surprise when um, Matt and Mark accosted us in the main hall and asked me to go upstairs. I thought my luck was in. But they brought out the recording device and started asking me some questions. And it was uh, quite nervous being put on the spot like that without any preparation work or anything at all. But I'm pleased to see it came out really well. So we're just talking about usual stuff like vintage prices, uh, The Force Awakens and Star Wars collecting in the future. And it, it was really great. So I urge everyone to go and check out Jedi News Collectors Cast to just have an interview on there. You came across really well on it, actually, mate, I must admit. Next up is our Star Wars completist. Thai pilot, focus collector, and oddball fanatic. It's Grant Criddle. Good evening, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. At last count last month, Grant, you've seen the film nine times. Update? Correct. Uh, at the moment, I'm on 12 uh, with another two showings this week. One last showing. I think it's going to be the last one because I think they put them out of the cinema now. And that will be on Sunday at Pinewood Studios with Jez, which would be dead exciting. It'd be a nice way to bookend The Force Awakens. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, next we have our very own BFG. A layout, Padme, and Ray collector in our resident market stalker. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter Witty. Good evening, Stuart. How are we? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm getting all rayed out at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, Pete, talking about those three ladies, a few months back you said you were putting together a loose run of all the Padme figures, and if I remember rightly, there was 25? Uh, roughly, yes. How's it going? You haven't given us an update for ages. Uh, I've just got one to get. It's a really common one to get. It'll be really easy, but uh, as I like to kind of leave it all dangling, giggity, giggity. Um, I shall let you know. So hopefully next month I've, I'm done. Cool. Perhaps we can have a Padme photo. Oh, I shall have them all. They're already displayed out at the moment. Just waiting for that last, last one to arrive. 
Right, and uh, obviously there is one more of us. Finally, we have our loose and mock collector with a side Luke X-Wing focus. A man who can rhyme any line. Our very own Goldenrod. It's Jez. Good evening, Jezebel. Hello, Stu. Hello, everyone. Someone let him out. <laughs> um, at the end of the last podcast, Jez, you may well remember Jez discussing his marathon efforts, running it in full Stormtrooper gear. And I believe, Jez, you've been had your fit in and have got it. Update? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was delighted on Sunday to go over to um, Steve Buckley's, who was kind enough to lend me his Stormtrooper costume. And I brought it back. I've had a, a shakedown run. I've been running around the area where I live. And it certainly had people double taking and um, and sort of um, Facebook papping me. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. I've already got a slight cut on my forehead. Um, and that was only after a few miles. So a little bit of Vaseline and a little bit of man hell up. And I, I'm sure I'll be fine. I don't suppose you've got a fringe to protect your head, have you? Um, n- no, no. Is it? Is there any other particular areas that are noticeably going to hurt? A uh, little bit above my right foot, for some reason. That was uh, the right shin uh, guard, shin pad was cutting in a little bit. I might have to uh, adjust that. And yeah, the little sort of nappy groin area. But nah, it'll be all right. Just uh, mind over matter. That's what I say right now, anyway. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about small things, Jez. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, as a military man, Jez, right. do you find the Stormtrooper armour practical for combat? <laughs> Are you having a laugh? <laughs> um, yeah, not at all. It's, it's almost is absolutely ridiculous as the biker scout outfit. Um, so, yeah, but we, as you've corrected me before, this is Star Wars. We don't worry about common sense, do we? We just love it. So, um, no, <laughs> not particularly practical at all. And, uh, and looking at the helmet... That's uh, that's quite a nightmare because you just can't look down. So um, that's going to be interesting as I'm running past all the water stations and stuff, trying to not to uh, slip on all the discarded water bottles all over, all over the floor. To run with a bit of a bounce as you land, you kind of like jump. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll probably be the one and only time I do it. But there we um, go. Just skipping's probably safer. We're cutting down on you, cutting down on the likelihood of you coming into contact. Yeah, that that is true. Yes, you really should have done it in a slave layer costume. Let's face it. As yeah, you, you, you know that I did consider this. You should have um, done. I, I I I would have done if it was for a different charity. Uh, let's just say that. But I'm, uh, I don't think it's appropriate uh, to run for a children's charity dressed as a slave layer. Kind of mixed messages, really. Don't really want to do that. And running 26 and a half miles, the um, socks would keep falling out, wouldn't they? Once again, once again, what is it with you guys and, and me today? <coughs> I am the only one who has fathered twins. <coughs> <laughs> well, on to this month's latest acquisitions. And uh, after Jez had a mini meltdown on the last show, stating he always felt he was an afterthought, to make him feel slightly more appreciated, we'll go to you first, Jezzy. Well, that's brilliant, but I've bought nothing. <laughs> I think after my father's from Epic, I've just um, I've I've not got round to anything this month, and I think it's a combination of being a little bit blown out after Christmas market. Well, I'm sure we'll discuss this later on, but everything which I've seen, I'm like, right, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll go for this. What? It's gone for how much? 
So, yeah, from my point of view, I have bought a little something which is on its way back from the States, but as soon as I don't have it in my possession, it is only a little something. Um, I'm not going to declare that today. However, what I do have, and I'm delighted with, I know it's not vintage, but then again, we have been discussing non-vintage stuff. I was really chuffed the other day to receive, out of the blue in the post, a unproduced A5 image of one of the stamps which didn't make it to the final Royal Mail edition. Now, this is a, a Darth Maul, stunning picture of Darth Maul. And the uh, sub-picture is him um, with his double lightsaber uh, in a duel against Obi-Wan Kenobi. Brilliant. So, Malcolm Tween, thanks very much indeed. Just out of the blue, send me a signed, unproduced image there, uh, which is really great, and that will complement the uh, stamps which I've bought no end. So, uh so that's me, I'm afraid, lads. Yeah, Paul show. Uh, Pete, what have you been splashing your cash on? Well, it's the end of the tax year for me, so I wait right to the end. I didn't have a lot of cash, but I did finally get myself a Klaatu mock with a lovely clear bubble. A little bit, little bit mangled, but it was nice and cheap. And a few, oh, a Rebel Commando on um, a mock as well. And mostly Ray stuff, really. I thought I'd just kind of sweep it up as it, as it, it can actually get hold of it, but... Uh, some pop vinyls and that sort of stuff, but no one wants to hear about modern stuff, do they? Not really. Grant, have you been adding anything? I did manage to get the big, uh, the massive, eight foot by five foot Force Awakens cinema posters. You know, the ones that were 50-50, it was like half a face and then whatever weapon that they would have. Um, yeah, so I managed to get <clears throat> four of those. I'm missing the Kylo Ren one. But the problem was, when I came home, there was a big tube parcel on the floor, which was basically the size of a barrel of a tank. And immediately I thought, hang on a minute, I've underestimated the size of these. And I couldn't even roll them out in my living room. They were that big. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. <laughs> They're ridiculously big. I'm really happy with them. And um, got a few loose Power of the Force 2 figures uh, from Rich there, which uh, might start something off there. Happy days, mate. How you could put your big giant posters on the outside of your house? Mate, honestly, they're, they're bigger than the walls of my house. They're massive. I had to move all the furniture. I had to move the table out of the way. Try to roll them out. Realise, no, I've got to move the table even more, move the chairs even more. And then there's four of them. <laughs> I don't know. They, they are good, though. It helps if you have a cinema, I think. <laughs> And uh, finally then, Rich, get out your scroll. Let us know what you've got. Well, obviously with Christmas just finishing and it's my son's birthday this month, I've been uh, quite careful. So I've only got an R5-D4 Star Talk from C6 and a loose die-cast Slave 1. And that is it. I don't believe oh. it. I don't believe no, it. That's not true. I'm not having that's it. No. There must be a, like an R5 you bought three or four times that you didn't realise you actually got. Um, but actually, <laughs> now you've said that, I did actually buy an R5 um, baggy, Palatoy A, um, but I then realised that I had it, so I, I cancelled <laughs> it, and thankfully the guy accepted me cancelled, but because of that now, he's now set us up for three other baggies, um, which I should have coming for next month. You ever keep a list, Rich, just in case, like, you know, in case of doubles? Seems to happen a lot. Well, it wasn't my fault this one, because... <laughs> It was. It wasn't, no, because on Frank's... Actually, it was. On Frank's Baggy's Guide, he has this baggy listed as a Palatoy G. So I bought it, and I then double-checked with Frank and said, I've just bought this Palatoy G. He says, oh, no, it's a Palatoy E. And I went, but your guide says it's a G. He went, oh, yeah, I forgot about that mistake. I meant to correct it ages ago. So it wasn't my fault, that one. Oh, I'll forgive you that one, Rich. Yeah. Um, what about you, Stu? Uh, what have you put in the garage? I've I've added a few odds and sods Um, I added an ESB Imperial Commander mock A Jedi Stormtrooper mock Power of the Force Barada Got this little Greedo item Lawrence Dyer actually tagged me in on Facebook 
basically someone's had a Greedo graded, but the bubbles come open and Greedo's got out and then the bubbles kind of shut back up so the card looks like there's got a bubble on. And there's a kind of like Greedo standing in there kind of saying, oh wow, I'm out my bubble but I'm now stuck in this acrylic thing. But I missed out to this other buyer and I contacted him and said, if you ever sell it, you know, I'd be interested. And he came back to me because he got an opportunity to buy a bell display. So he gave me the Greedo for what he'd paid. So that's come, a bit different. I've bought myself some Return of the Jedi ice skates, which my wife loved. A Return of the Jedi Coca-Cola poster, which you used to get with four ring pulls from the old high C drink. I'm Sorry, Stu, is that Canadian? I don't know, you know, mate. It's actually still in the tube on my desk. I went out a quick look. Is it long? Like thin, long, small? Um, it's not overly big. Um, it's got pictures on the back. Uh, X-Wings on it. Um, no, it's not that tube. I've got a different poster on my desk. It's just gone straight in the garage. He hasn't seen it. Yeah, he's <laughs> straight in the garage. Yeah. I have got a photo of it. I'll look it out. I'll cut the bit out. It's garage. It's garage. It's garage. The PO box. <laughs> There's your outro. Right? <laughs> so, it, um, it has a PO box and his garage door. That's it. <laughs> I've also bought my first item from the big pick. I've got a Chewbacca bandolier, which I love. I've looked at them for about two years, and that's uh, very nice. But the most important thing I got, lads was I can come to Celebration all three days because I got a Saturday ticket. Woo. And, um, you know, I thought there was going to be a mad sale that night and me and uh, Simon McCohen of the forum both decided we'd both try to get tickets and whoever got through first would buy the other one. one. I got it, but I believe they're still available now, aren't they? Yeah, Rich? you can still buy ten. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So what, what do we reckon has gone on there? FIFA run Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem pretty, uh, pretty dodgy, doesn't it? Uh, what it is is that they've expanded it to an extra building because Harrison Ford's going to be signing. <laughs> well, they'll all be sold out once this podcast comes out then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's rustling? I'm just getting crisp packet noises coming from my end. Yeah, I can hear it as well. Somebody's rustling a peep or something. That's not me. I have my suspicion. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> the only one that hasn't said it's not him. Is <laughs> <laughs> he like sheepish like school? <laughs> Are you eating quavers? Uh, I don't eat Chris. It was a it was a um, thing about rapper. Uh, what was it? Uh, what's his name? The toffee one. Where was original? <laughs> yeah, I got a bag of them. <laughs> well, let's move on to this month's question then, which I believe our lyrical friend Jez has. Jez. <laughs> yes. Well, here we go. I was thinking to myself, what can we do with regards to a question? We've had some good questions in the past, and we've had the round robins and stuff. But I like to be topical. And in the news recently, we've had a lot of news about drugs within athletics, drugs within cycling, motors in bikes within cycling, and the corruption of FIFA. So what's happened is, you know, with upcoming Olympics and all sorts of stuff like this, the International Federation have said, enough, no more. We need to draw a line in the sand, and we're going to start some new teams and some new sports. And gentlemen, you have the power right now to pick some of these teams. And the people you can pick from are your loose vintage Star Wars figures. Now we're not gonna go from Stu to Peter to Grant. I'm gonna take it back, back to the time when I, I think it was episode 12, when we had the buzz in round, if you can remember, when we spoke about the repro items so you're all going to have a buzzer. Yeah, we're going to dust off the buzzer. Now the buzzers, as you know, are in the form of your vintage figure, Alter Ego. Now we'll start with Peter. 
can you remember who your vintage figure alter ego is? Rancor Keeper. The Rancor Keeper. And can you now give us a demonstration of your sound, Peter? <laughs> yeah. Once more, the Ooh. crying fat man. <laughs> that's, a, that's every Saturday after Leviton lose, that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Richard. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> I just imagine that you cry on How's every Saturday? <laughs> Jez, when you imagine it, is he dressed like the rangle keeper? <laughs> I'm in the corner. Right. I'm in the corner of the ground. People consoling me, going, oh, another rubbish performance. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, okay, so, Richard, what was your character? Mine was Hammerhead. <laughs> Right, can you please give us your buzzer sound for Hammerhead? Uh, <laughs> no, no, he does not do that. <laughs> give me your Hammerhead sound. That was it? No, no, in it the was, film. It was... <laughs> because I fear that we're going to be here all night, I will let that one stand. Now, Stu, what were you? Rumba. Romba. So come on, give me your best Ewok sound. I remember last time I accidentally said Utini. <laughs> you I was waiting for that. I'm on, I'm on the ball tonight. Yup, nub. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, last but by no means least, Grant. Ah, uh, salacious crumb, mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, so here we go. Many, I just want to say you should go back and listen to that episode because Grant's laugh becomes quite mental by the end of the round. <laughs> I got confused. Because the crying sounded like the Ewok and it just all went a bit mad. But, as you know, corruption is rife right now. You know, we're talking about FIFA, uh, allegedly, I think that will do, um, and stuff. So, the judge's decision is final, unless you slip me a few quid or some loose figures, you know what I mean. Right, so there we go. So, fingers ready, sounds ready. You get the option of choosing a vintage figure. Now you think about the figures and think about the accessories which come with those figures. But you cannot use the force. You can only use the accessories which come with that figure or you know what the figure's like. We're gonna come up and I'm gonna tell you a few different sporting categories and you can all buzz in and tell me which one you're choosing and I will then choose the winner of that category. That was the Empire's Royal Guard ready to pole vault using his force pike into the bandstand. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I, like, I like your thinking, Richard. Right, so I might start off with an easy one. The 100 metre sprint. You have no... Oh, Ewok. <laughs> that was, was that Grant? Yeah, I thought that Grant doing it for Stu. I thought we were talking about corruption. <laughs> Cheers, Grant. I'm, I'm going to go. Can I can I answer as he's called for me? Yeah. I'm going to go with EV99 as the length of his legs. Ooh. Ooh. Good answer. Like okay. But, sure, uh, do but, we have surely her, but surely her arm would fall off and she'd become unbalanced and fall over. Oh, fair fair counter. Okay, so who's second? No, for the 100 metre sprint. Mac <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That was, that was that my crying. crying. That was my crying. 
Go on. Um, I'll say um, IG88 because he's got legs and his arms technically stay on slightly longer. Oh, right, yeah, IG88. I'm, I'm going to talk. Salacious crumb. Yeah, I, I would say um, uh, Droopy were cool because uh, he reminds you of Fatima Whitbread. Well, we made a group running then, would he? Wasn't she like a triathlete or something? Javelin. Javelin. <laughs> Close, though. Right, Tessa Sanderson. Another javelin thrower. Oh. FX7's got eight legs. Rich. Ten legs. Are you, you going to yeah, go but, for but, but, but none are on the floor, though, sadly, so they kind of spin around <laughs> and fall over. Right, so, so far in the lead is IG88. I think Rich has had enough time, and uh, and he's uh, he's not entered this particular race. I haven't had a chance. I've been waiting yep. for the other buggers to shut up. I'm, I'm going to go with Chewbacca, because he has the strength in his thighs. He looks quite like Usain Bolt. And uh, I'm sure I would catch IG88 and rip its arms out of its sockets. Chewbacca just like like shuffles. No, it's IG88 it's like the button that you pre- you pass between each other when you do the rare relay. Well, the judge's decision is final on this one, and the winner of that particular round, through speed of answering and answer, is IG88. Yeah, get in, IG. Yeah. Chewbacca was slow off the stops and IG-88 just blew him away with his two blasters. So, one for Peter. The next round is the discus. Hold the discus with the rim resting on the last joints of your fingers. Use your legs and hips to generate force while your throwing arm acts as a whip. I'm going to see a C-3PO from the Japanese um, firing mechanism. Fire those discs out of its chest. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go Pete's. Desk Squad Commander's hat, because, like, you know, you could throw that a long way, and it looks like a discus. Anyone else could give me a reasonable answer. Yep, nope. Oh, go on then. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with R2 pop up because he can just spring it out of his head. This this is a discus, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That'll be a javelin. That'll be a javelin. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, save it, Grant. (laughs) That's your radio. Is it Tessa Sanderson, Grant? Hang on, I'm trying to think of what's his name, Daily Teflon. Um, (laughs) Daily Thompson. (laughs) Daily Thompson. Daily Teflon. Well, he sticks to things. <laughs> oh, I reckon um, Nine Num. He's got the lips. <laughs> what for oh, discus? He could just purse them out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wasn't planning on doing this, but because they were all equally rubbish, I'm going to give you all one point. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, this is just, you know, Corruption on a large scale, so there we go. Oh, right. Come on, we, what, was, what was the big answer for that one, then? What would have won? Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, in Ugnaught, he's got a really, really good uh, frisbee. Discus. <laughs> <laughs> in his bag, yeah. I like that. Right, here we go. It's getting serious now, lads. Cycling. Bicycle. Bicycle, bicycle I want to ride my Bicycle, 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 bicycle, bicycle I want to ride my
Explain ProBot. Well, he's got like arms to hold the handlebars and yeah. arms to like pedal. every other figure <laughs> and a spare arm for cycling. That's so random. One's better. Yup, nup, yup, nup. Okay, go for I've it. I've got the winner for this. I've got the winner. It's a mana man because he's got the aerodynamic head. Ooh, and if he gets oh. a puncher, his arms are so long he can fix it while he's still going round. Oh, yeah, a probot can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, Pete. Biker Scout with a bike. Oh, of course. Holy oh, shit, he's falling off. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up going into trees. He's not going to win. Who's going to win? He just has to get on it. Richard? <laughs> I'm going to go with the first um, 12 action display stand because of all the cogs in there. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's okay. a good right advice. That's not oh a thing. Okay. I'm going to put this out here right now. This is, this, is, this is on a par with Grant going to the off license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the scores on the doors are in. Uh, and the biker scout was a good favourite, but a man a man came in also with half a point. So uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Right, we're now moving on to gymnastics. Cry a man followed by Ewok. Uh, Slacious Crunk is small, delicate, and he looks like a, a Russian gymnast. Jog on. <laughs> Can I go? Yes. Yoda, because I saw him in Attack of the Clones bouncing off the walls. No one saw Attack of the Clones, you don't lie. <laughs> go on, go on, Rich. The Dianoga monster, because it's rubbery, and you can str- you can pull it and stretch it and let it fly, and you can uh, do all sorts of twists and turns with it. Gymnastics, not a dildo. <laughs> Grub. Uh, that deserves a point. Uh, Rankle monster. Who's <laughs> <laughs> got like a hell of a yeah, good he's one. delicate. Okay. The winner of that round with my very very stringent recording and um, uh, uh, official clipboards is the Dianoga. Like <laughs> right. Here we go. <laughs> Where did that come in? <laughs> And the final one, right, this is it. This is the big one. You need to consider all the activities within this and explain why your character is going to nail this. The decathlon. (laughs) (laughs) Are you crying because you just want this question over and done with? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'm going to say IG-88 because if anything goes wrong and he hurts himself, he can repair himself on the way. And he's got a little stick. Woo, 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 woo. Richard. Right. Luke Skywalker. 
And the reason being is because he's got he's in all the films who's got the endurance. He can use his lightsaber for pole vaulting. He, he's got so many different costumes. He's used to getting changed for the different events. He can use his hat as the frisbee. He can use his cloak as a bullfighting um, kind of thing for when the Spanish uh, host <laughs> the Olympics. Um, he can use his rifle as the hammer for the hammer throwing event. You know, it's just endless. Hammer's not in decathlon. Neither is bullfighting, but you didn't pick up on that one. <laughs> Jez, just give it to Richmond and get out of here quickly. Anyone else? I'm going to say, I'll go, I'll go 12, a 12 inch, a 12 inch Chewbacca, because he's going to jump further in the long jump, because three and three quarter inch are a lot smaller, and he's going to win the high jump, and he'll get around the track faster. He can step over the hurdles. Um. <laughs> Grum. Uh, I've been thinking about this. Because there's quite a lot of events in there. There's like, no one else has. There's the 100 metres, there's like the 400 metres, there's like the 800 metres. So he needs to be fast. Needs height as well for the high jump, the long jump. So I'm going to go for snow speeder. <laughs> what, a, an actual snow speeder? It would smash the records. And they could go around in circles as well. How would a snow speeder throw something? Oh, it's got a harpoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I think that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. This figure thing is really good. I guess if you throw the if you throw me enough money, I'll let it pass. Um, so, Grant, I'm going to give you snow speeder. Yeah, yeah thank you, yeah. Right, because I'm not crook. So, in a moment, we've got Stu with one and a half points, Grant with two points, and yeah. the winners who are just about to go into the final winner takes all is Pete <laughs> and Richard. Oh. And the winner takes all is pain. Swimming butterfly. <laughs> oh, oh, have a go. I'm gonna allow Grant to answer for me. At at. <laughs> I'm not allowing Grant to answer for me. <laughs> well, I, yeah, go on, Richard. Squid. Woo, woo, woo. Well, um, I'm going back to the 18-inch Chewbacca, I think, with the rotating <laughs> arms. You can't just say that. I think oh. with the rotating arms, it's the only one I can think of where the Rich, arms will Rich. actually turn 90 degrees. Half romper. Half romper. He's got, that, he's got the arms with the elastic band, did not he? Yeah, he's got arm bands. Hands around. That's good. Yeah. Go on, Pete. Huh? Were you just crying? Well, yeah, I was, I, I was actually going to go the other way and go for the rank. I've got massive arms, so it would be great at swimming. I'm going to change the answer. They're not elasticated. Yeah, but it's great as swimming, eh? I'm going to go with Walrus Man, because he's got the flippers, so it doesn't matter what he does with his arms. Oh, that's good. Oh, that. like, yeah, oh what yeah. about Hammerhead? Because he's like a shark, isn't he? Like Hammerhead Shark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. But they don't do butterfly, do they? Boss, and Man-a-Man, he's got massive hands. He's a reptile bloke. Yeah. Oh. I, think, uh, I think Stuart should win. What about Hand Carbonite? You could totally surf it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you know what? I guess as long as it's not a repro weapon, they'll all float. Yeah. So there oh, we go. Yes, have you play. been? Have you been lining that joke up all night? No, <laughs> no. I, I, you, I, have, I, you have, haven't you? you I have. really haven't. Have you got a song about it as well? It's not a song. It's a rap, and it's a gift. Oh well, a musical <laughs> presentation. So that's the end of this month's quiz. I hope you enjoyed it. At the end of the day, I think we're all winners. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone would. <laughs> Should we go over to Rebel Briefings?
Don't forget your library card. Ten backs from Spandex. Where did he dig up those old fossils? Die-casting spoons. We love maths. The rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Uh, Rich, don't forget your library card. Joining me this evening are some of the brains and brawn behind a new type of vintage Star Wars community, Tantive Eleven. Guys, what do I have here? The brains or the brawn? <laughs> I've got the beauties here the night, then I've got neither the brains or the brawn. <laughs> Would each of you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? My name is uh, Marco, Marco Jaspers, also known as uh, Dr. Danger. I'm uh, collecting vintage since 2009. I've always been heavily involved uh, with the Imperial Gunnery. Well, since a few months we um, have a new forum, 10 to 11. And I'm from uh, Holland. I probably have a slight accent. Uh, I hope you can cope with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners are, um, will be able to understand you more than me. Commander Clint, located here in Ontario, Canada. I guess my focus is Canadian items and card backs, a lot of oddball stuff, trading card, stuff like that. My name's Chris, also Chris75, a regular poster on TIG, a Vader side focus collection, but uh, more focusing on um, variants, loose figure variants these days, particularly PvP, pop figures, trying to expand my Lady collection as well at the moment. So, three very well-established members of the community. To our listeners who've never heard of it, what is Tantive Eleven? Well, 10 to 11 is um, a vintage-focused Star Wars forum. It's brand new. What we tend to do is bridging, say, the, the old forum communities and, and the Facebook communities, uh, also providing a lot of new technology, which we think make forum a bit more attractive, because they have suffered quite some competition for Facebook groups uh, recently. We think by adding some new technology in a forum, we can make it more attractive and, and get people back to discuss uh, items. For instance, uh, talking about technology, we, uh, in our forum, you can instantly upload your pictures from your phone or from your hard disk, uh, which is quite new. We have also a, a library section, which is work in progress, and we would like members to join us and also contribute their own knowledge to this library section. And this library section is uh, also based upon new technology. For instance, if you hover with your mouse, you can see the pictures are automatically being enlarged. So you, you can really see the details of on the screen. What point did you realize or did it dawn on you that Facebook technology and forum technology could be merged together to form a better community? I think that was fairly early on. It, it was just a matter of trying to figure it out. Like our two mechanics that we have working uh, behind the scenes, they worked really hard trying to figure out some of these uh, little things like uploading their pictures directly, tagging people in posts, uh, stuff like that. We saw the writing on the wall on some of the other forums that aren't doing that, and it needed to be done. Most Star Wars collectors are in the late 30s, early 40s, would don't embrace change very well. But I suppose it was a natural progression with the amount of smartphone users that we have now. Personally, I'm accessing the forums much more on my smartphone. Was that part of the decision to drive for this new place? Yeah, um, most people are checking in with Facebook on the go now, you know, on their mobile devices. Not that that many people sat at their PC desktop checking in, so we're trying to bridge that gap and make, make the forum much more easily accessible to those people. Uh, there's still a few glitches with the, with the mobile view side, but um, we're still working hard to try to get those in place. 
Marco, I'm getting the impression from Clint that you were perhaps the Palpatine of this new forum. <laughs> it went live back at the end of 2015, so how pleased are you with the response so far? I'm quite happy. Um, we went live mid-December, I think uh, the same release date as the, the Force Awakens. I'm quite happy. Uh, what I see is a quite an active community already with its own atmosphere, very comparing with, uh, with Star Wars Forum UK, I think. I like to keep it that way. Uh, so I see a slight increase in, in membership, um, also in traffic, and which is good. And uh, I hope we can maintain this uh, within the next uh, year. Clint, was it a conscious decision to spread out? Because you've got the forum there where guys will log in to visit, but you've also have the Facebook side of it. Will there be other social media sites as well as things such as one of your other developers, Bobby Bob's own personal blog? I think so. I think Christian has has mentioned that he wants to tie in to some of the tie in the interviews and post them here as well as his own blog. Uh, we see him posting on, on the Facebook page. Uh, he's already posted stuff to the Facebook page that we haven't even seen on the forum yet. So I think it's all going to tie in nicely. I suppose this probably explains, Chris, why there are so many developers on Tantive. I believe you started off with 11, but that might have increased. Is it a huge workload? It's a massive task to start a, a forum from scratch. And um, we tried to get as, as broad a spectrum of people as we could from different time zones around the world. So everyone could be chipping in, you know, sort of all the time. And um, people with different skill sets and, not, and knowledge bases as well. And trying to get them all together to collaborate on this new project. The, the reference library section alone has, has taken a lot of hours of work to, to establish the, the new coup guide that we have. And the um, the new the orange figure, loose guide. Uh, library card section, so you can go into there and look at each figure, see all the different variants, yeah, Kenner, Park, DBP, uh, with a nice clear picture uh, and a brief description of, of each uh, variation. It's, it's, it's taken, the uh, coup guide is, is a work in progress, um, it's coming along, we're nearly there. Uh, it's taken a lot of hours to, to catalogue all of our figures in our collections, photograph them and then and pop and edit each picture and add it in with the, uh, and then all the mold families together correctly for each character. It's a big undertaking when you have so many figures to take into account. But um, yeah, it's been a big task, but we're, we're getting there, you know. It's, we're a year down the line now and um, things are really starting to come together, I think. I have to say, um, team membership and cooperation is really great. Uh, it's really a great team um, of uh, fellows uh, having different expertises. And it's really, really great to work with them uh, together. We worked really hard uh, past year and probably will still have to, to make it uh, a success. But what are the main projects which are currently in development that you can talk about? Uh, we have, uh, we're currently working on the, uh, 12 inch figure line. Uh, we've got about half of them posted in the library right now. The other half of them are in production. Pictures are done. The library cards are set up. We just need some text added and hopefully soon they'll be moved over to the library. We're constantly working on the Lily Letty library cards. POC cards, just trying to fill in as much information about them as we possibly can. One of the interesting areas for me is entitled Something Odd About Ula. Now, <laughs> I think everybody who's been on our forums went to there and clicked it straight away because it's such a fantastic title. Um, a huge project. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I think we just wanted it to be a, a broad base. Like, there's so many oddball items out there, and they're not that well documented. Trading cards, and uh, I'm just trying to think of all the little 
tins from uh, England and the racer heads and stationery. And I, I know we heard on the last podcast about the Helix stationery. That was just fascinating to hear about that. It just needs to be documented and well photographed. And hopefully our library will uh, show that. This isn't designed to replace any other forum. It's not designed to replace Facebook groups. It's not designed to replace the SWCA. How do you see it working with those different areas? First of all, we realize we are not a standalone forum. We are a forum within a community, which is also represented by, for instance, the the Archive, uh, Ribblescom, uh, TIG, uh, Star Wars Forum UK, and the many, many different Facebook groups, uh, uh, of which are also very good Facebook groups, uh, by the way, I have to, have to add. We would just like to bridge as much as possible how we do it. Uh, I think first by providing quality content yeah, via our library. We put content in our lab- library ourselves, but we are only a team of 11 or 12. And we ask our members to do so as well. Also by having a great community, Everyone is, is, is welcome. Uh, whether you're a newbie or seasoned collector, uh, you are welcome and attentive. And we don't see yourself as competitors of, of other fora. I mean, feel free and happy to, to link to Rebelscom or Imperial Gunnery because that's also a great resource. As much as you like. No problem with that at all. Same for Facebook. And I think just by behaving in a natural way, having a good community, having good quality content, making the bridge between Facebook, I think that's uh, in combination with the technology we provide, that's the way I think we hope uh, to earn our own niche in this uh, huge community. Some of the great TIG projects that we've talked about in the past, such as the project outside the box, you're not looking to replicate that. You would perhaps be saying, guys, if you're interested in that, he has this great TIG resource for you to go out and, and check out too. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're all more than happy to, to um, promote other, other fora and, and groups. As Marco said, absolutely no problem at all there. We will want to support the rest of the community as well. You know, we're not just a standalone forum in any way. But, um, yeah, we, we probably will do some kind of box guide, but um, it's not the deal and end all of what we're going to be doing. Uh, I, I had a point and I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just want to direct everybody to the best possible information out there. And if it is... Yeah, un- that was it. The, the weapons guide on, on TIG. We're not going to try and, and compete with their sort of repro things. Um, you know, if people have questions about reproduction uh, weapons and stuff, we're going to, you know, direct them to TIG. We're not going to try and really compete with that. So we'll probably have our own weapons guide, but that'll be more about showing all the different variations of genuine weapons out there and with which character they go with and hopefully even off of which carded figure they, they, that particular variant came from. Clint, as been said, you're the, what we call the oddball kind of guy, the, the, the unusual items. If somebody wants to get involved with your side of the project, how would they do that? I think if they just post in our oddball section, uh, post some pictures, start a discussion. People can always reach out to the team if they feel like they have to contribute something. Uh, they can do so. There's a special thread, I think, in the library. If you want to contribute, you can say, hey... Uh, I, I have some uh, interesting stuff to show, and uh, can you put it in a library? That's a possibility. Or you can always PM the, the team. Uh, so many different ways. Uh, if you like, you can contribute. Uh. Chris, I've been spending a lot of time recently looking at the library cards. Can you give us an overview of how they work? Uh, and in particular, the Leah Bestman one seems to be a fantastic idea. 
Yeah, that's Jade, the, the layer best one. Girl, she's the main layer best being focus collector. And, um, it was, um, a lot of that, the, the concept behind, behind the, the library cards was, was, was his idea initially. You treat it like a library. You walk in and you, you take a card and it gives you a brief outline of, of information that you would want on each, um, character. So you'd have, um, four images, you know, uh, front, back, side views, brief description of, of the character and her origins, what, what card she was available on. And then you would go into more detail with all the different variations of that figure. So different head sculpts, different mole families, uh, different variations of capes and weapons, all listed in one place so that you can just um, click on that one character and all the information regarding that, that character is, is there for you. Uh, we'll also in- include hyperlinks into other discussion topics and other forums and, and Facebook groups. And then any relevant information in that discussion thread will then be taken and put into the reference library at a future time. Mark, will this library card theme be spread out to all of the other areas as well? So there'd be, I'd, I'd be able to pull out the Millennium Falcon library card as well at some point. That will be our dream, actually. We've all lots, tons of work. If one day we will get there, I will be a happy man, I think. I mean, that is a massive undertaking, yeah, to, to try and yeah. cover everything, but it would be great to achieve that one day. We're a forum for collectors, by collectors. I think that was the biggest thing we wanted to push, um, no matter whether you're a new collector, a seasoned collector. We wanted to be a, a very friendly, laid-back forum where anybody can come and hang out and enjoy themselves. We're never that serious about uh, Star Wars, but we're just serious enough, I guess. Okay, guys, we've talked a lot about Tant of Eleven. want you to all come in, join in, be part of the fun. How do we find Tant of Eleven? Where do we go? Tantofeleven.com Tant of XI is in Roman numerals. The Facebook page is, is also uh, the Forum Awakens. We tend to abbreviate to TXI quite a lot because it's just uh, it, it's easier than saying Tant of Eleven. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue a bit easier. I, I think TXI definitely works better because I've I've been trying to practice my tent of eleven tonight in case before in case I stumble over words. <laughs> yeah, TXI. I like that. <laughs> okay, guys, it's been a blast chatting here tonight. Thanks for taking the time to um, come on our show, and I really hope our listeners come on board, join in, and check out uh, all the great things that you you've been doing. Thanks very much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in thirty minutes. Rich, I should think Jez is uh, very interested in the next topic because it's got spandex in the title. What's that about? (laughs) Sorry to disappoint Jez just a little bit, but we've got a little history lesson today. Now, we all know about the Lily Leddy Jedi carded figures, but far fewer of us have heard of the Imperial Leddy Tenbacks. And I certainly know that when I saw them on Facebook, I looked at them and I thought, never seen these before at all. So I've done a little digging and... Although some cardbacks in very, very low numbers existed, it was commonly believed that these were for prototyping or testing purposes only. What were the testing? I'm sorry, Rich, I didn't know these things existed until the other day. I have no idea. Well, it was actually believed that they were designed to test the Mexican-Spanish market to see if there was actually any profit in importing these figures from overseas and then um, selling them to the Spanish school kids. I don't know how much 55 Mexican dollars works out as, but I certainly know that of the carded figures that this guy shot, $55 was on one of those card backs, so I would imagine that would have been quite pricey. What this guy showcased were eight figures in PVO card backs with sliced bubbles and with the figures that were could be removed, could be put back into the bubbles. These, as far as I'm led to believe, have never been seen before in this kind of number. And there were ten figures that were available and three of those figures have never actually appeared on any Leddy card back. I think it's uh, 
pretty tough being a focus collector of any of those figures and knowing that they're out there. You know, there's your new Holy Grail right there, isn't there? I mean, I remember seeing the Hoff Stormtrooper on one, and I know a few people collect Hoff Stormtrooper, and I thought, oh, man, there you go. There's your, there's your new Holy Grail right there. Well, it would be, except for the fact that it's actually a Kenner figure, and all of those ten figures that were included on those card backs were all Kenner. None of them were Leddy. So ah. that's got a lot of people thinking now, well, hold on a second. Has this guy just got some card backs? Has he just got a hold of some bubbles? Is, has he put some Kenner figures to just to basically to match them up? But by oh, really? all accounts, this guy's coming across as quite genuine and saying it was his childhood connection. Now, the three figures that were never produced by Leddy and only existed for the shots were the Hoff Stormtrooper, as you've just said, but also Han Hoff and the Rebel Soldier. So the other seven all appeared as Leddy figures. What was also interesting, though, was the cardback art. Yeah, it's all the same, isn't it, pretty much? It's all the same. It's the same shot on every cardback. Is it the um, Empire Strikes Back poster, isn't it? It's an International Empire Strikes Back poster. From what I can say, it's by, and I'm going to probably butcher this guy's name here, Noriyoshi Orai. Yeah, it, remember, can you remember when they re- reissued, before the special editions in the UK, they reissued the digitally remastered. Mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back poster was used for that video, ni- like 93, 94. Can you remember it from that? It's, 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 it's images from just where the Millennium Falcon is, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly where it is. And it, it's known, according to the SWCA.com, as the Ori Green Art One Sheet. But for what I can find, though, it was released in Australia to promote the Australian release of Empire Strikes Back. So how has this Australian poster stroke artwork appeared on a Mexican cardback? Where's the link? Big ocean in the way there, isn't there? Isn't there? Normally we send people to Australia, we don't bring them from Australia to other places. Or is that what happens when they're so bad that we send them to Australia and the Australians send them to Mexico? It's fairly generic, isn't it? And it, it doesn't look, from a production point of view, it costs that much to make because it's, I won't say it's bland, but there's not a massive use of colour. Is it anything to do with the production cost, do you think? Well, it's a bit strange that they cropped the most least interesting part of the entire poster. Jesse might actually be onto something there because obviously if they're testing the Mexican market, they've got to keep all of their costs down to the lowest they possibly can. I don't know how much they would have to have paid for these figures to be imported from overseas, but you would imagine that the bulk of the cost would have been in the license and then in the figures, the cardback really had to be produced for pennies. If anybody can shed some light on how this poster has managed to get to Mexico and why it was chosen to be used for the cardback, drop us an email because we'd surely um, love to hear your points. Rich, your next headline, where did you dig up those old fossils? I'm sure you're not talking about Jez and Pete. What's the story? <laughs> no, obviously I'm not talking about those two because nobody would dig those two back up. Big thanks to Ross Barr who tipped us off. As he does, he tips us off for quite a few items, but he tipped these two off quite a while ago now, and we did try to fit them in the last month's show, but there was so much, and um, we've had to push these two back. So the first one I want to talk about is Jordan Hembra's three shipping cases. And Jordan, as he's wont to do, dropped a, any interest guys in this type of post. And obviously it was a sealed case of 77 bucks. And just people went nuts. Valuations ranging from $9,000 to $18,000. Very, very difficult item to um, give an accurate figure on. 
So he came on, he said he actually had three of them, two of them sealed and one of them opened. So guys, I'm sure you've looked at these photographs. The sealed ones are what they are, they're just sealed cases with tape on. And and I think Pete said in the past that if he had one of these, he'd probably rip it open because it would kill him not knowing what's inside. But the one that was opened, what do you think of the, the images of the figures now they've come out of the box? Yellow bubbles. Yellow bubbles, yeah, on all of them. Well, sorry, all of them except for one. Which one didn't have a yellow bubble? Princess Leia? It wasn't. It was a Death Guard commander. Crystal clear bubble. There you go. And all the rest were yellow. Interesting, or at least to me anyway, that the first 12 figures, obviously not the original R2 or C-3PO, but there was the ones that released on Jedi for R2 and 3PO, were all included in that box of 48. Rich, do you know what backs they were? They were 77 backs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Out of 48, you wouldn't expect, or certainly I wouldn't expect, 12 of them to be from the, the, the original line, which was uh, a real surprise. What we don't know, of course, is when was this box opened, and where were they stored, and how have these turned yellow? Because the popular concept now is it's a mixture of lots of things. I mean, Pete, you're our plastic expert. What are the common things that turn bubbles yellow? Well, people always think it's just the sun, but it's not. I mean, it's just plastic degradation, isn't it? So it mm-hmm. just, just starts to lose any additive that was put in there. might just start to die off. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, I mean, mostly sun, but you know, sadly, it's, you know, plastic will eventually just decay and break up and die. So. And the two that are sealed, do you think that the, the internal contents of those, the bubbles, would be in better condition or just exactly the same? You just don't know. You just don't know what 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 they came off, chap. I mean, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. You just can't tell. I mean, I mean, we, we, we've seen all sorts of bubbles. You now I've got a, a Clark who's sitting in front of me with a crystal clear, beautiful looking bubble, and I've seen them the same cards with horrible looking yellow things. So takes your chances, I guess. Yeah, just throwing it out there. And uh, this isn't me necessarily casting any suspicions or anything, but if that was an open box, they could have contained any combination of figures. And now that box has been displayed with the first 12. It kind of gives everyone the feeling, wow, those boxes always contain the first 12. And that puts the premium of the sealed ones up even more. I mean, these sealed ones might not have the first 12 in at all. Who, You know, Jordan could have come across them already put together like that. But it doesn't mean to say that they were the original contents. Would I be completely wrong in thinking that that's a possibility? No, it's a totally fair point, that Jez. Um just see, for example, the sealed one was offered to one of you guys. What would you do with it? Would you open it and have a look, perhaps, to see what's inside? No. Don't don't ever give me a sealed thing like that. So just don't. <laughs> so, so we've got one, one. Stu? I, do you know what? I'd like to say I wouldn't want to open it, but I'm a bit like Pete. I think I would just be too... I'd probably put it in the middle of my room and just walk around it continuously. And mm-hmm. Shed. Shed. Go in the garage and it won't be seen. <laughs> Ah, uh, mate, uh, I'd probably trade it for, for someone who'd want a sealed one, to be honest. Good answer, yeah. Trade it for a proof or something. Mm-hmm, good answer. It could just be a box full of clatters. Well, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! That's my point. Well, we can x-ray them now, can't we, and find out what's inside them. Or a box full of Return of the Jedi double-telescopic Luke Farmboys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wish. That leads nicely into the second find that um, Ross tipped what off actually was it started off with a photo of three bin headers, which were the early bird uh, certificate bins, which which I've never seen a bin header for those before. And there were also two first collect all first twelve bins. That story's just got bigger and bigger, and it's fantastic. I think looking at the items that this guy has got. Yeah, it's being made famous now by medical technology, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For those who don't know the background story of this guy, by all accounts, we had... Oh, his name escapes me. I want to say it's Ron, Uncle Ron. Yeah, Ron Eccles. Yeah, Ron Eccles. He 
close to 40 years now, had went to a store and saw these Star Wars items. And from what I'm reading, he basically bought all of the early bird certificates and got the bin header with it. And then obviously gives some of them out as presents at Christmas to his young nephews, which I've been talking a little bit to Jeremy about this collection. And he kept a lot of the items that he bought. In his collection, we saw things like, you know, 12-back Discord Commanders, 12-back Stormtroopers, Auto-D2s, um, some Empire Strikes Back figures, loads of box vehicles, oddball items, racing sets, NPC vehicles. He had the foresight to do what, what a lot of us wish that we had done back then. Well, a lot of us, what we're doing now. Yeah, you're right. So it's absolutely fantastic. And what I don't know is if Jeremy and his brother, which I think it's his brother, I don't know if they knew that this Uncle Ron had all these items for that length of time or whether it was something that was just brought out in a conversation. Just imagine that finding out that your uncle had, oh yeah, remember um, remember when you were three and I, and I bought you a, a box pad of toy Death Star? I actually bought another five and I think I've got them lying around in my shed somewhere. You know, you'd be leaping out of your chair, wouldn't you? Um, wanting to go and um, check it out. Uh, the, the fact that he's trying to fill them in, fill the boxes in with figures. He's got two Discord commanders in there. I think he's trying to fill the whole things up. Be beautiful. I'm not sure. I don't know if it has the bin as well, but that um, early bird header is crazy rare. Didn't one go for in, in the Nego auction last time for thirty-two and a half thousand dollars? I didn't even know they existed till a couple of years ago. It's super, super rare. Now, it looks though most of these items are going to be for sale, and many have appeared on Ross's 1221 Facebook group. And most notable is um, a sealed cantina set sold for, I think it was about $6,000 in the last week. Mm -hmm. They've made a video which has caused a bit of a a debate among some of the collectors, and the video is of three sealed action display stands. What they've done is they've opened one of them, so they've actually broke the seal. And does anybody know how much of an estimate breaking that seal has actually cost these guys? About $2,000? Just short, $1,500 by cutting the seal to, nah. to remove one of these action display stands. I don't agree. I think it's generated more money for them because it's been a whole publicity thing as well. Mm-hmm. Because th- this has gone around and there's been lots of comments and people have got so many Facebook feeds. They see a video and they see you know trillion comments on it and they're like, oh, I'll have a look, look at this. It's actually got them more attention. So, mm-hmm. yes, I understand the value of that particular item has gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the fact that that's been cut open. But I think it's got us talking, it's got other people talking, so therefore it's, it's just raised awareness of uh, what it is they've got for sale, potentially. The box itself, though, was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? It was a bit disappointing. Stu, did you actually see the box? I did, Rich, yeah. They were very, very peculiar, weren't they? There's nothing written on the side. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the guys um, on the forum has said that he thought that they would be stamped with Kenner or, or something written on them. Does that give perhaps a little bit more of a justification for opening these? Uh, to be honest with you, man, I think Uncle Ron or Mr. Ron or Collector Ron, sort of like, you know, he's got all this stuff. I don't think it really matters too much. He's been you know, looking after this stuff for nearly 40 years now. Good for him. Diecast in Spoons. Now, back on episode 12 and the Christmas special, I spoke with Andrew Norton about starting up a Diecast website. Well... He's only actually gone and done it. So I caught up with Andy. 
Right, so I want to welcome back Andy Norton. Hello, Stu. Good to be back. Yeah, this, this is the third time, isn't it, Andy? And I interviewed back on episode 12, and you said you'd have this diecast website up by the 1st of April this year. And then at Christmas, when I spoke to you, you hadn't still not done anything, had you? <laughs> no, I hadn't. It was always an intention to do this. I must confess that probably if you hadn't challenged me to, to do this within the year, it probably still wouldn't be done. I suddenly got inspired about a month ago, chatting to my dad. It, my dad uh, makes websites, which is, is quite handy, but I, I kind of wanted to to do this myself uh, but asking for his advice clearly the fact that there is professionals out there making websites it's not all that easy and he, he ended up making it for me which I'm very grateful for and um, with me basically doing the research and adding the text so your dad's put this together he's um, he basically asked what I wanted it to look like I showed him Joe's Trilogo website which I think is really really clean site very simple to use as a good example I sent him a few images kind of uh, what, what I wanted the design to be looked around and he came back with some ideas and we sort of talked it over and what we've got is yeah it's sort of the combination of, of his his skills and my ideas well he's made the user face extremely easy to use isn't it so i interviewed you getting a december so within two months you've acquired the website and built the whole thing that's quite a quite yeah. a achievement. <laughs> Well, I think my, my dad was enjoying making the website more than his uh, his regular work, which helped. And then it was just down to me to start writing. So it was uh, a few weekends, evenings. Got a lot of help from fellow collectors out there. You know, stuff like the Canadian diecast know very little about at all. Guys like Bob Thornhill and uh, a couple of other guys that actually don't don't post much. They sent me photos, which I'm happy to post up there. You know, I'm not, I don't don't profess to be you know an expert on diecast, but the world has been crying out for a site where this information is in one place I've lost count of the amount of posts I've seen on various forums or on Facebook people saying you know was this vehicle released on this card various misinformation out there as I've seen a few posts people talking about clipper 20 backs I've asked that question do they exist fallen on deaf ears as far as I'm concerned they don't if someone wants to come out and say they do I'd be more than uh, happy to post an image but I've never seen one so it's, it's basically uh, the, the site's out there to, uh, to fill that gap uh, yeah, and also inspired by the likes of John Kellerman with his matrix for all the the Kenner car backs it's a lot simpler exercise doing it for, for die cars there's only 11 ships to start with so uh, there's not a huge amount of variations out there but there's a couple of question marks over a few things for instance whether a land speeder was ever released on a Canadian 20 back I think it's almost there it'd be great if people can find the images of, of a couple of question marks out there or you know I don't think we'll ever say for certain they don't exist so uh, I'll keep on hoping how many different countries are these released in with different cards obviously trust me no, I haven't got my website open but <laughs> it's uh, so uh, Kenna and Kenna Canada were the two main ones there's also Harbert in Italy um, which interestingly had more than the other other European issues they did the Darth Vader TIE fighter which most of the other European countries didn't apart from Palatoy Palatoy obviously which is the, the second largest range other than Kenna so Palatoy did the, the largest ships as well the Millennium Falcon Y-Wing and Imperial cruiser later known as the star destroyer then we also got Takara in Japan, which I really like the Takara carbacks. Clipper and Meccano also did carbacks, but they use the Clipper cards with the Meccano sticker, and, and they're very hard to track down. Now, I have I've found examples out there, but people that own them haven't been quite as keen to uh, to show them on the website. So I'm still looking for images of, of the uh, of the Meccano cards. And then what else have we got? Is that was there toll toys for these? Toll toys, thank you. Yeah, toll toys in Australia. Seven major, well, licensing. 
And I think, yeah, I think that was it. So you haven't got images of all the different cards on the different licenses on the site well, yet? I pretty much got everything now. As I say, Pod Thornhill's come through with a with quite a few of the, the Canada, or sealed Canada cards. I've got most of the Kenner ones, or have most of the Kenner ones. I've got all those images. Likewise, Palatoy. There's a couple of Palatoy cards I could do with an issue uh, image for the front. Toll toys are mostly card backs and People like James Kennison have been very helpful with that. Um, the some of the also there's the sort of Empire Strikes Back issues, which are quite rare. Mark Daniels has helped out with those, and, and people like Frank Bray, who runs Final Frontier Toys, a toy dealer in, in America. Great guys. Well, Avon Fox, who has his own his own website, loads of interesting things on there. So recommend you check out theliberator.net. Um, so they've been really helpful sending in, in through the foreign ones. But so personally, I don't own any Harbour Canadian or Toll Toys or, or Meccano. But so if someone has something that you haven't got on here and they, they notice that, is there somewhere they can contact you? There's a, a contact us button on the website. So if anyone clicks on that, sends me an email, I'll get a message and please say that someone's already done that actually with some uh, some resealed Toll Toys um, I mean, again, like like Jason, Mr. Panatoy's site, I know that if you contact him, find a new variation that's not on his site, he's more than happy to post up a picture because it's this isn't you know this isn't my site really. It's a site out there for collectors. I've used sites like this over the years. Further my knowledge, it's not a forum. It's not a place for chat. It's just an information site out on out on the web. So if people want to come forward and have information that I've not got, I'm, again, actually someone mentioned uh, a Canadian uh, mailers, something I know nothing about. It wasn't even where there were media mailers for the diecast line so I, I need to look into that a little bit more and hopefully feature something on those I'm, I'm aware of the different variations of the, of the American mailers but I have one, one example that I own and again I don't I don't particularly want to buy everything diecast out there uh, but I wouldn't be able to fit it all in my house for a start well, it's a beautifully laid out website some beautiful images there's a lot of images on like blue backgrounds are they the ones have you taken any of these images well that's that's a very good very good point because I, I had the ones on the blue background I've taken those photos but I have forgotten to mention someone who's been incredibly helpful and I think makes the site look as good as it does and that's Kim Simmons man who shot Luke Skywalk he did a lot of the uh, original artwork hardbacks or catalogues things like that really nice guy and he's, you know, he's someone that's trying to help the community and he puts his pictures out there. He does sell high resolution prints of all his images and I, I keep meaning to, to buy some off him. He's got some great stuff of unproduced 12 inch line, really, really nice images. So he's let me use his images on the site. So where he's got, because he's, he's going through scanning everything at the moment. So where he scans something and got a great image like the X-Wing fighter, got his image there. It shows far better photo than I'll ever be able to take. Uh, shows everything very crisply and clearly. Where he's not scanned an image yet like the land speeder i've taken my own photo and tried try to do justice I think they're, they're okay they're not as good as kim's but also the my loose die cast of uh, a lit not quite beaters but they've uh, they've seen better days so uh, you know once kim sends through new photos i'll quite happily replace those i've got a link to all kim's photos in the gallery section uh, to man shot Luke Skywalker. Now all his photos that he sent me are, are available to buy on his website. So I've got the the code number on the picture. So if you go to his, I've got a link to his, his website www.themanwhoshotlukeskywalker.com. You go there, you put in that um, that order number, and you can actually buy the print. 
what is the actual website? Because we haven't said that. Which it is www.vintagestarwarsdiecast.co.uk. Yeah, and seriously, listeners, you should go and check this out. A brilliant, brilliant resource, which I think is exactly what it's there for. Now, the other thing, Andy, is I've, I'm going to keep mentioning this now. This is going to be my new hassle on you. I think you need to make this in book form. <laughs> I would, I would love to do it, but I'm aware a few people are doing books out there. If I did a book, I don't think it would be much different to the website. To be all, in all honest, I'm not sure if I, I would buy a book if I can just go look at the information for free. But I might, yeah, I'll look in. I'll definitely look into it. I'm not, I'm not going to give myself a deadline like I did with the with the website. But next time you speak to me, I will have investigated Ooh. how costs involved and the effort. How about that? Is that a, is that a deal? Definitely, definitely. And I think this would be lovely in book form. You've got you've got the images. I did Don't wonder surprise. if someone like Gus and Duncan might already have something in the pipeline because their their book on the micro collection came out of nowhere and would be would be very similar. You know, there's again a limited limited run of toys. Uh, there's not a lot you can say about them. Same for micro collection. I do wonder whether they might have a book in the pipeline. I might check with them first before I do anything because that would uh, that would save me some hassle, wouldn't it? Well, beat them to it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any kind of known like prototype diecast toys? Yeah, again, I don't I don't own any, own any. I'm aware um, a few of the forum, well, certainly Star Wars forum UK members do. I, I won't mention their names. I don't know whether they want that information out there. But first shots, uh, proof cards, and then there are a lot of hard copies. I don't know where they are, but again, some of Kim's photos uh, show show hard copies of the actual item, and quite a lot of them do. So the the, the obvious ones are the grey tie bombers which you know, look different to the to the production chips so quite obvious but the the snow speeder that's featured also I think that's a, that's a hard copy you can see the sort of strange glue like substance on the back and there's a, there's a few others that are as well and um, I've also got an article on the small wing Darth Vader tie fighter which is which is also essentially a pro- prototype because it was never released exists in 50 or so maybe more there's a lot of debate about it and it yeah as i say it was never released so essentially it's 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 a prototype for for the larger the larger wing version kenner decided that the small wings wouldn't work for whatever reason not quite true to uh true to the original although the actual ship doesn't look much like the original but it doesn't it's, it's sort of designed on the, the three and three quarter inch ship rather than anything in the films so if you come across more you'll, you'll go add to this website as you go yeah yeah well I'd, what, what i'd like to do i mean because it's i would like to keep adding to this i'd like to do an article on prototypes at some point um so that's that's the next thing I'm going to add. I'd like to do an article on mailers. Um, you know, they're slightly different to the, the car back variations, but I think they would they sort of deserve a page of their own. And who knows? You know, hopefully get some inspiration. Hopefully people get in touch and have new observations. And are more than happy for people to write something themselves and to host it up on the on the website. So, do you want to give that website out one more time? It's www.vintagestarwarsdiecast.co.uk. Andy, fantastic job, fantastic website. Big, big, big shout out to you and uh, Papa Norton. Uh, <laughs> I will do. Yeah, I might, <laughs> might have to show it, point him in the, right, the direction of the the Vintage Rebellion. I'm not sure he's listened to a Star Wars podcast before. I, I think he's a um, hardcore fan, actually. <laughs> well, do you know what? I was asking him whether he'd, he'd read all the text and was now an expert, but I'm, I'm not sure he has. <laughs> well, Andy, thanks a lot, and uh, I look forward to the book. Always a pleasure, Stu. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. Finally, we love maths, apart from Jez. Grant. <laughs> no, stop. Stop right now. What do you mean, apart from Jez? I use maths all the time in work. Yeah, only if you've got enough fingers and toes for it. Oh, you don't know what I do for a living.
Yeah, um, well, going back to last one's episode when we had the privilege to speak to Craig Spivey, um, we, it almost seems like we set this up, and I'm almost embarrassed to talk about it from that point of view. Uh, we discussed uh, at length, I think, if I remember rightly, the anomaly that is the mythical maths shop display that goes with the Helix math set, and the fact that, as far as I knew, none had ever surfaced. Really, the journey of this starts a couple of years ago when I was picking up Helix items from my own collection, and they were relatively cheap then. Uh, you could pick up some of the white Helix pencil cases for about a pound, two pound. I mean, they were just falling through the net. There didn't seem to be any interest in it, or people just weren't uh, looking at these kind of things on eBay. When I started collecting the comics, that was when I really had a, an insight into what Helix stuff was actually available on the market. And then that started the journey of researching it and looking at all the different things that were out there. And I started noticing that a few of the store displays just weren't showing up at all. Or I could find a photograph on the Internet, maybe a one or two examples. The mass set, though, never any evidence in which to find. Throughout all the investigations, there was never any evidence that this thing actually existed. Um, I t- spoke to people like Craig Stevens, um, Craig Spivey, Darren Simpson, all came back with the same answer that, yeah, it's anomaly. The only known example of it that exists is in that black and white advert in, like, Marvel UK comic issue number five. So, uh, and we also had access as well through investigating it to the Lucasfilm archives, and they had photographs of all the Helix stuff, and they didn't have it either, so it was like, does this actually exist? Well, in the last episode, after speaking with Craig, the very next day, the Star Wars Shop Display mass set appeared online on Rebel Scum, on Star Wars Forum, and on eBay. So, it does exist, which was brilliant, we started talking to the seller to see if we could buy it. Uh, the price shot up behind doors. I think it was about £60 or something like that on eBay. It was well beyond £60 behind closed doors outside of eBay, I can assure you of that. And then the item was sold. Um, I got to about £600, I think it was, maybe £500 on it, uh, which was really difficult in to you know sort of like justify that to the guys in work because they were like, it, it is just an empty box, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's a real special empty box. But yeah, it's sold. Uh, we don't have a final figure on it. Somewhere between 1000 and £1,250, which is, you know, have a lot of money there for a shop display. Only known example I know that exists. But I think the most important thing is the investigation is now over. We've all got some photographs of it. The, uh, the Star Wars Helix mass set does exist, and I think that that's, that's just a great uh, end to a journey.
someone please tell me what is going on? Everybody, everybody, please, please calm down. I'm afraid I have some terrible, ghastly news. It appears the very future of Downton Abbey is at threat. Myself and Matthew have compromised the finances by spending all of our money owned by the estate on vintage Star Wars collectibles. There's never a dull moment in this house. Yes, as Mr. Crawley has so politely recounted, due to my jolly silly pursuit of a double telescoping mint on card Luke Farmboy, I've had to twice remortgage the surrounding grounds. How can Matthew have chosen that little blonde piece? Oh, Mama, come now. It's the price you must pay for a high-end collectible in these times. In our pursuit of a full set of Spanish and French cardbacks, we've been selling the organs of the staff. Mr. Carson's liver, for example, paid for a full set of Palatoy 12As. And what we got for the footman's cataracts was the first down payment on a pair of rocket-firing Boba Fetts. Amputation in the dining room? Resuscitation in the pantry? I forbid it to have strange men prodding and prying around the house. To say nothing of pocketing the spoons. Well, if we can no longer harvest the organs of our staff, I hate myself for saying it, and please don't hold it against me, but we'll have no choice but to sell off some of your hat collection. <gasps> Mama? Mama! items. Just collect something cheaper. An incredible power, an incredible force, an incredible potential that was, like with many young people, sort of misguided and un unclear. And the story uh, for him is one of conflict. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. The belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. Right, tonight I want to welcome a long-term Star Wars fan and collector. He's such a huge Star Wars fan that he insisted his cat watch Empire Strikes Back recently. <laughs> Joining me this evening is Michael Cooper. Good evening, Michael. How are you? I'm happy to be here. I'm chuffed, as you guys would say. You know, the word chuffed has kind of worked its way into my daily vernacular, thanks to you guys. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't have, you don't use chuffed in America. We don't. You know, the first time I ever heard chuffed was from you guys, and now I'm saying it all the time. And did your cat enjoy Empire? She did. She, In fact, she loved it so much that she started stepping on my computer. I was watching the, the specialized edition uh, on my computer. She started stepping on it, and as soon as I closed the computer to keep her from damaging it, she was kind of sitting on the closed laptop waiting for the tauntauns and ads to reappear. So 
she's a fan. She's the only one you can get to watch it in your household. Yeah. <laughs> My wife hadn't even seen Star Wars until before we met, and I made her watch them all before The Force Awakens came out. And she enjoy them? Um, you know, she had the reaction I thought she would have. She thought the original trilogy was, you know, pretty good. She's like, I can see why you like those, but she really, truly enjoyed The Force Awakens. And so, yeah, I guess she's, whether she likes it or not, I guess she's a fan now. And did you enjoy The Force Awakens? Oh my god, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> it was everything I wanted it to be. And where do you write it in the uh, seven movies? It will probably never be my favorite movie because that's such a, uh, you know, Star Wars has been part of my life since I was three years old. But if you look at them objectively, and I've been getting in a little hot water for saying this in certain circles, but I think objectively, I think it's the best one. Oh, that's, that is a big comment, isn't it? Yeah, I think we take some of the, some of the, Leaps in um, logic in the original trilogy for granted because we uh, we've grown up with it. But uh, yeah. like I said, objectively, Force Awakens is pretty strong. Now, Michael, we were going to do this interview last Sunday. We were toying with the dates, and um, you're unable to do it because you were upstate New York for a collectors club meeting. Was this a Star Wars based meeting? It was. Yes, the Empire State Collectors Club, uh, Vintage Star Wars. It was up um, in Saratoga Springs, New York, at a gentleman named Thomas Quinn, who we become good friends with just through uh, the collecting hobby. There was about, uh, must have been 25, 30 of us all in his house, and uh, trading, dealing, there was a presentation from uh, Ron Salvatore, everything. Is this a club you've been a member of for a while, or...? I met Thomas Quinn a few times, and he invited me to the Facebook group, and through there, I just kind of snowballed, met more and more people, and got to meet a lot of people who are involved in Rebel Scum, and... Uh, you know, TIG and the message boards and certainly all the Facebook groups in person. It was a great time. Did you uh, pick anything up while you were down there? I did. I got myself into a little bit of trouble, as we'll probably, I'm sure we'll talk to, talk about in a little bit. I completed a, a run of the first 79 Mint on card, and last Sunday I stuck my toes into collecting the last 17. So <laughs> I got some, I made a couple trades, spent a little bit of money, but hey. Now this, you just said it, completing a first 79 run. Is this your, what you've been calling your budget run? Indeed it is, yes. And it's been a long run, it's been a long time coming. Can you take us through what like, the run is and how long it's taken you to put together? Yeah, I guess you could say it's a bit of a long story and I'll try not to lose you. I started uh, collecting Star Wars as a, you know, not as a toy, but as an actual collector when I was in high school. So we're going back like 20 years. And um, I picked up a few carded figures in a, a store in Manhattan called Love Save the Day. And one of the figures I picked up happened to be a, um, a Spanish PVP Snaggletooth, El Returner, the Jedi card. And I got it for like 10 bucks. And around that time, I was picking up figures like $10 a piece. You know, back then, foreign figures, trilogos, all that stuff, they... Um, as a lot of you guests who collect all that stuff have said, just, you know, that was considered not as desirable as the counter stuff. So I was picking up stuff like that. And um, I never intended to really complete the collection. I just, yeah, every time I'd find a, a cheap mock, I'd pick it up and I, you know, I had a pretty sizable collection. And then I kind of got out of it. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this, but the, the prequels really turned me off from Star Wars. So I started seeing, selling some stuff off. I don't know, when the Facebook groups particularly started popping up, I got back into it, and it was around the time Disney purchased Star Wars from Lucasfilm, and um, I just started, uh, my passion came back for it, and I got a few steals, as one might say, on eBay, and uh, it just escalated. 
<laughs> I, I focus on, you know, you know what? I got to let me back up a second. One of your first episodes, I've been listening since uh, your very first episode. One of your first episodes in your new acquisitions section, I think it was, you talked about a collector from the UK, the uh, SFUK board who was putting together a run of uh, carded figures that he wasn't paying more than 20 quid, say. Yeah, I was inspired by that. I said, you know what? If this guy over uh, in in the UK can do it, maybe I can be the equivalent of of him over here in the states. And uh, I did it. <laughs> I didn't spend. I'd say eighty five percent of my uh, carded collection. I didn't spend more than fifty dollars. There's a few I had to go over a hundred dollars for, but uh, that's quite an incredible achievement, isn't it? Under fifty dollars a card. I gotta say I'm pretty proud of myself, especially when you consider that you know, I got certain ones like Dengar for fifteen dollars. And this is after the boom. This is after the Disney purchase and you know, certain ones were selling for like five times the amount they were just the year before. So What's been the biggest bargain? You know, Dengar at fifteen dollars. Um since you've been back collecting. I got a Probably, none of my stuff is graded. I never sent anything to AFA or anything like that. I have what I would consider maybe a C8 Return of the Jedi 77 back Darth Vader. Excellent condition. I got it in a lot that was mislabeled. It said, like, Dark Vador or something like that. And it was just, like, a box of Star Wars toys, mostly beater loose figures, and this one pristine carded figure. I think I paid $60 for the lot. And I got the, the Darth Vader, a boxed mini rig, and... A bunch of just like loose parts and, and beater loose figures, something like $60. I think that was probably my best. The Dengar for $15. Now, some of them, you know, if you're collecting on a budget, you gotta take uh, condition into account. I'm not too particular on condition. I have quite a few that have missing proofs of purchase, like a dense in bubbles, yellow bubbles. Is there any condition that you won't touch? Open bubbles. It needs to be sealed to the card. Uh, for a long time, I had a couple that were either reseals or bubbles that were so badly cracked that the figure can come out, and I've been using them as placeholders. In fact, I still have one that I need to repl- upgrade. I have a Luke Hoth that's um, got a really badly cracked bubble. If you try hard enough, the figure can come out. That's one that I'm upgrading, trying to upgrade. So if you got any listeners out there who have a, <laughs> a Luke Hoth that's uh, mint to card, I'm looking to upgrade. But again... On a budget, under fifty dollars. So, yeah, or uh, under a hundred dollars, we'll say for Luke Hoth. And it was just a matter of any any card, but each figure. Any card, right? So I guess um, I'm kind of um, I don't really have a focus per se, but since I was a kid, mostly in the Jedi era, I try to collect Jedi cards and Empire cards. So all of mine are either on Empire or Jedi, save for two. I have a couple twenty one backs. So do you still think it's possible to collect on a limited budget? I think I started at the right time, um, right before like the, uh, the you-know-what hit the fan with prices. It is possible. You've got to be patient. It took me, it took me a long time. You've got to be patient, not just like waiting for certain figures to come up, but as you're searching on eBay, you got to, like, let's just say, searching for Dengar. Try all the different misspellings, all the different mislabelings. I mean, you got to be really persistent, but I think you can do it. And there's probably other collectors out there like me who um, have done it or are doing it. I, I, I like to think of myself as, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the dollar store version of a collector like Yehuda or one of those guys who just has everything. I have a very large collection, but I refuse to pay, like, uh, I refuse to pay very much for it. 
And did you pick the majority of them up on places like eBay? Yeah, eBay. Um, I almost feel like uh, I feel like I'm describing myself as like a, like a predator out to like steal <laughs> like steal things out from under people. But eBay, you'd be surprised at how many people mislabel and mislabel things. How many dark Vadors and. Um, you know, Princess Leah. That that's, that was my strategy, and that's my advice to anyone who wants to who wants to give this a go. That is some work, isn't it, on eBay to sit there and do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very devoted uh, collector. It's midnight, and my wife would just wake up, and be like, "You're still on that thing? <laughs> I thought you deleted that app." Um, so now you've completed the seventy-nine. Yes. Will you go down the last seventeen route? That's more of a challenge. Um, obviously, I'm not going to find all of those for under fifty dollars. I got to set my sights a little higher as far as price goes. I don't think I'm going to be doing a fifty dollar run on the last seventeen. You've already added Lumat. Have you added any of the other last seventeen? I did. I've gotten well at the collector club meeting. I I wheeled and dealed, and I got um, Barada EV ninety nine, and I recently purchased a Lando General off of one of the Facebook groups. Quite involved in that range then. Yeah, and and I actually had a Paplu from I, that was actually one of my first carded figures was Paplu. I got bought him off of Brian's Toys when they first came out. I bought Paplu for thirty five dollars in like nineteen ninety five. you've made a dent in it. So yak, yeah, yak before the end of February. <laughs> We'll see about that. I think. Well, I have a yak, uh, a card back for Yak Face and a and a Yak Face figure. So, and that's another thing. I've had my loose collection complete since Celebration Two. So, you know. Uh, yeah, got a while then. Yeah. So you've got a full loose. Where do you go with variants on that? Are you are you one of each or are you one of these for, crazy ones that <laughs> buys all the different coups? Yeah, for the longest time, I I was not into variants. You know, I had like a you know a C nine collection of of all the loose figures, and one day I was just like, you know what? I need a brown haired Luke. So the <laughs> budget collector in me, I I found a mislabeled um, mislabeled brown haired Luke on eBay very recently for I got it for forty bucks, and I know those things have been selling for a lot more. It was missing the saber. I had an extra saber. But yeah, I, I mean, I have the like the corner, the, like the Keystone um, variants, like uh, Big Head Han and Blue Snagglepuss. The only the only variant I don't have is an authentic um, Vinyl Cave Jawa. You're not going to get that very cheap these days, are you? So. Unfortunately, no. Ridiculous, no. Was, yeah. Right, so let's go back to your childhood. You can take us through your journey in regards to Star Wars and collecting the toys. So, when and where did you first see the movies? I remember it was on, uh, so we were one of the first people in my neighborhood to get cable, and I was about three years old. I was born in 79, so I was, yeah, probably about three years old, and I remember my mom was trying to get me to take a bath, and my dad was watching this really weird movie where there were these guys dressed in this crazy white armor, and they were about to be crushed by a trash compactor, and uh was mesmerized. I was like, what is this crazy thing you're watching, Dad? And he's like, oh, it's Star Wars. Maybe you'd like it. And much to my mom's chagrin, uh, I did not take a bath that night. I watched the rest of Star Wars, so I was about three or four years old watching it on TV with my dad. And your dad a big fan of it? Yeah, he was. My dad was a, a fan of all that kind of stuff. My dad was also a collector of uh, baseball cards, comic books. He passed on the collecting gene to me, so... So that's quite quite handy. Fan of what you wanted to be into and uh, a collector as well, so... Yeah, yeah. In fact, he... Uh he took my sister to see Return of the Jedi opening day. He, got, he took us out of school early, so we saw a matinee of Return of the Jedi, May, whatever, 1983, the, the minute it came out. 
What impact at such a young age did the movies have on you and how they impacted on your, your adult life and your entire life, really? Well, uh, I'm an artist. Uh, I went to school for art and I'm an art teacher now. Um, Star Wars being such a visual story, um, some of the earliest drawings I remember and actually still have are of scenes from Return of the Jedi and Star Wars and just trying to draw things from memory. I remember at, at a very young age, like four or five, I was obsessed with trying to draw the stormtrooper armor accurately and uh, in that respect it had a huge impact on my life i mean it kind of informed my uh, my visual brain <laughs> i suppose can you remember the first tour you had as a child i can I, it's funny i think i told you in our uh, in our uh, text conversation i remember more about vintage star wars toys than i do about things in my adult life but um so after star wars on tv on hbo with my dad that first time we were at a at um, a pharmacy and they had a few figures on the peg and this was before return of the jedi came out so they were still empire ones and i remember they had two figures one was a rebel commander with the mustache, the Hoth rebel commander, and the other was Dengar. And I thought they both kind of looked like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo in Stormtrooper disguise, and I was convinced that's what they were, and I begged my dad to get me these two figures, and I did, and forever. <laughs> my little kid logic, those that was Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. <laughs> so those were definitely my first two figures. Ah, oh, wonderful. Now, you also told me that you remember every purchase, childhood purchase, of your figures. Yeah, it's weird. I, I guess you kind of call me savant that way but uh yeah i do i honest to god i remember probably every single one of them as a kid which by the way i've kept sorry how many of the range did you have um so when i was a kid we uh, when i say we uh, my dad and i we probably got all of the first 12 and then all of the jedi figures and for some reason at that time i don't know if it was just where i lived or the way they were distributed empire strikes back figures were kind of hard to find when the Jedi 65 backs were out. I didn't really pack too many of them in the cases, so a lot of the Empire figures were some of the last ones I got or inherited them uh, from kids in my neighborhood who outgrew them. But I'd say about 80 to 90% of the figures, and that includes Tower of the Force. You know, I remember walking into Toys R Us when the uh, Tower of the Force figures came out, and my dad was like, look, here's a whole bunch we don't have. Grab all the ones you don't have. And so, yeah, we got all the Power of the Force ones. Right, so I'm going to give a little test here then. So, you remember every purchase, okay? So I'm going to throw a couple of figures at you, and I want to see if you can remember where or how you bought it. So, let's start with, let's have a look, Squidhead. Squidhead. Uh, my great-grandmother, her, we called her Grandma Kitty. It was my fourth birthday, fourth or fifth birthday. That was my uh, birthday present from her. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Chewbacca. That was shortly after I had seen the movie. There was a store, there was a, a chain of stores called Child World here in the Northeast United States. And, uh, I remember getting that Chewbacca on a 41 back with the blue background. I still have the card back, uh, the group shot with the 41. I used to stare at that for probably hours. <laughs> Brilliant. John, my mind's blank now of all the figures. Uh, Chief Chirpa. Chief Chirpa. Um, there was <laughs> a disc store called McRory's in, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, where, um, it's kind of like an overstock store and, um, on Saturday afternoons after lunch, my family would go into the shopping center where McCrory's was. And this was right after Return of the Jedi came out. And my sister was obsessed with the Ewoks. So actually, it was my sister who got Chief Chirpa at McCrory's. Oh, my dad bought it for her. Right, one more then. Let's, uh, let's go with Luke Jedi. Luke Jedi. This is a good story. This was right when uh, the movie came out. And they, I was at the Child World. And the store clerk was putting out cases of the figures. And there was another kid and his mom looking for a Luke Skywalker 
figure, just any Luke Skywalker, and they weren't up on the shelves yet. And this kid found a Luke Skywalker, and he was he was chuffed, right? Um, he found it was a, a Luke Hoth, and the kid was happy as happy as can be. And then they left, and then the clerk cut open the box, and my dad reached his hand in there, and bam, Luke Jedi right there <laughs> with the snap cape too. Still have it. Well, I tell you what, that's an amazing, uh, amazing talent to have to be able to recall all your Star Wars purchases. There's a my favorite story about getting a vintage figure as a kid is the original white Leia. What happened was we sent in our proofs of purchase to send away for the Emperor, and it took a really, really long time. I guess they, I don't know, I guess they didn't have enough stock to keep up with the demand. So my dad which he often did sometimes, was he called up Kenner in Cincinnati and said that um, our Emperor figure was taking too long to, to come. And, like, we sent away for it, like, six months ago, and it still hasn't come. And they were like, oh, we're sorry, we'll send you one right away. And my dad was like, well, while you're at it, my son and I are having a hard time finding the original Princess Love from the, from the first movie, uh, you know, in the white gown. And they're like, oh, well, we can send you one of those, too. And Kenner just sent us the, uh, the Leia figure, and I still have the Return of the Jedi card back. That came with it. Oh, that's brilliant. You did that every time a figure was out now, after that. <laughs> yeah, we, that's how we got um, Luke uh, Stormtrooper and Luke Poncho, because when we found all the Power of the Force figures, those were the last two we couldn't find, and we just called up Kenner and you know wrote out a check for the $4 for the two figures, and they sent them. As a child, did you have many of the ships or playsets? <laughs> I did. Um, I was the only boy in my family, and I'm the youngest, so I guess as... As a result of that, I must have been a little bit spoiled, but every Christmas or birthday, I had tons of great aunts and uncles and all kinds of relatives who knew I was obsessed with Star Wars, so I did. I, got, I, I had a lot of the ships, Falcon, Y-Wing, Battle Damage, X-Wing. You also told me that your mother was from Dublin, and as a child, you would visit Ireland on your holidays. And you remember purchasing Palatoy and Trilogo figures. Yeah, so when I was, I think, I must have been five years old the first time we went to Ireland, and um, it was still during the Jedi range. And uh, one of the first things we did on um, after, you know, we made the rounds and visited my grandmother and everything was we went to a toy shop in down down in downtown Dublin, a big display of Star Wars figures. But it was like, what the heck are these? They had this Return of the Jedi three times on it, and they were the Tri-Logos. And so I remember getting um, quite a few Tri-Logo figures. I'm Wicket being uh, my first Tri-Logo. I still have the card back for that. And um, not only were, did we get um, some Tri-Logos when I went to Ireland, Ireland, there were still some Palatoy Empire Strikes Back figures kind of left on the shelf. So I still have the card back from a, a Luke Bespin with a um, the large Palatoy logo and the Become a Star Wars Bounty Hunter uh, buffer. Did you ever manage to get a Yak Face as a youngster when you were over in Ireland? No, not as a youngster. And I didn't even know Yak Face. Uh, I wasn't even aware of Yak Face until I was in junior high. Um, I was reading the comic books. And one time I was at the comic book shop. There was a... I don't even remember what the, what magazine. It wasn't Tomart's. It wasn't um, Lee's action figure. But it was like some one-off action figure magazine in the early, early 90s. We're talking like 91, 92. Um, that had an article about Star Wars toys. And it mentioned Yak Face in it. I was like, what? What the heck is Yak Face? And then it was always pretty elusive... And um, until I went to Celebration 2, I finally forked over the $150, uh, the 2002 value of a Yak Face for a loose one. Why do you think they were never out in, in the States? People didn't like Star Wars anymore. You know, it was like 1985. Uh, most, probably all of my friends had moved on to G.I. Joe, Transformer, probably Masters of the Universe. I was the one kid who was still stuck on Star Wars. 
Like, even during the uh, quote-unquote dark times, I was still really into Star Wars. Like, it never really left. I was still into, into, into all my old toys, and I think by the time they released that figure, nobody cared anymore, at least over here. You know, it's actually, some Yak Face on Trilogos ended up in the States uh, at KB Toys. That's right, I've seen, seen examples with the KB price sticker on, yeah. Yeah, I remember in like the late 80s, maybe 88, 89, going into a KB toy store um, at, at a nearby mall, and they had tons of Trilogo figures. They were like two for a dollar, and I remember seeing all the miss cards. There was like Luke Jedi on an ATST driver card. I'm like, what? How did they make that mistake? I just remember seeing all of them and just... I think at that point I wasn't interested in buying the toys anymore, but which I did. <laughs> yeah, because they're really desirable now, aren't they? Yeah. Did you ever see any other figures in Ireland that you were looking for in the States and you were like, oh, I finally found it? Yeah, I think when we, the first, my first trip to Ireland was right when that second wave of Jedi's came out. And so I think that wave was the one that coincided with the release of Trilogos or like when they switched over to Trilogos. So I hadn't seen any of those figures in the States and I was like so perplexed. So that whole wave was like D-Wing Pilot and Wicket and uh, Leia and Pancho. Got all of those in Ireland and I was like, wow, they don't have these guys over over in the states everyone's best mate when he went back then <laughs> yeah and what about the palatoid death star did you ever see that when you were visiting no that is something that i again i wasn't even aware of till i was a collector i think maybe in the steep sand suite book was the first time. i don't know if that was even in that book i remember seeing it in a collector book in a like a price guide and it blew my mind it's a yeah it's a nice piece which death star do you prefer I actually, I prefer the Palatoy one. The collector club meeting that I went to, my friend Tom recently put together a Palatoy one, and it's the first time I'd ever seen one in real life, and he had all his figures set up in it, and it's it's incredible. I didn't have the Kenner one because I, as I said before, you know, I bought all the ships and figures and everything during the Empire and Jedi run, so the, the first Kenner Death Star wasn't something I ever had, but the Palatoy one is just amazing. It's, it's like a, a wonder of toy engineering. It's too bad it's made out of cardboard, though, and not something more durable yeah we had it as a me and my brother had it as a child but my mum my threw it away when the cardboard got a bit battered but <laughs> yeah devastating but. so obviously with your memories of buying trilogues have you ever been tempted to put together a specific trilogo run for nostalgia reasons I wanted to um, and I almost did back in the early 90s when you could still find them for like 10, 15, 20 dollars a piece there was a comic, a comic book store in, in here in Connecticut called uh, Time Tunnel just had like a whole a comic book sized box full of droids and trilogo figures that were probably all just KB overstock and I bought a few of them back then thinking that like hey th- I could probably put together a complete set of trilogo figures you know not knowing that certain ones never came out like you know like the Death Squad Commander and um, you know not thinking that like the General Maydeen or Jawa or any of those would be so rare I had quite a few of them and I sold them off like as I kind of lost interest in collecting toys for you know in the, in the mid 2000s I, was I kicked ask, myself for that. I was going to ask you when you when you dropped off. So about mid two thousands, you you'd collected yeah. from childhood through to then. Pretty much. I mean, I had all of my childhood figures that I saved from my mom putting out in a tag sale or you know donating to Goodwill stores. So I had everything kept it in pretty good shape. When I bought that magazine, I was talking about before at the comic book store it kind of sparked my interest in becoming like a actual collector collector of these things and um a few years after that was when um hasbro put out the power of the force 2 figures so i was heavily into those 
And I bought all of those up until probably around the time they switched over to Power of the Jedi in Episode 1. And then by that time, there's just too much stuff coming out with the modern stuff. I couldn't keep up. And I was in college. I didn't have the money. And also collecting carded Star Wars figures, although not as expensive as they are today for a college kid. You know, $75 for a Empire Strikes Back Luke Skywalker was like a lot of money, you know. Kind of got out of it and then didn't really care for the prequels and just I kind of was like all right I got gotta let go of Star Wars as a fan and you know I always loved the Star Wars toys anytime someone would have them at their house you know I would be I'd be telling them what they're worth and how great they are and everything but uh yeah I kind of fell off for a while and do you remember what your first purchase was when you got back into collecting yes it was the PBP Snaggletooth at uh at the oh. comic book store in, in, in Manhattan you, you brought up earlier about like the droids line you saw, remember seeing and stuff. Have you gone down that route of droids, Ewoks? Not yet, you know? <laughs> One thing at a time. You know, I part of me feels like my loose collection isn't complete without the droids figures, but another part of me, and getting back to seeing things, like my experiences in the toy stores back in the 80s, I remember as like a six-year-old thinking, those are freaking lame. I don't even want those. And my even my dad was like, hey, there's, like, different versions of 3PO and R2 and, and some of the Ewoks. And I was like, I don't know. Those those are pretty dumb looking. I don't even think I want them. But now... And, I, and they had them all on, like, an end cap at Toys R Us. They were discounted. And even back then, I was like, I don't know. Those are pretty cheesy. But now now I wish <laughs> I wish I had bought the R2 and 3PO at least. Do you remember the cartoons? Did you watch them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. So you do... You can relate to what they were from. Yeah, I, I knew what they were from. And as much as I... I loved Star Wars as a kid. I was just like, wow, these shows are pretty dumb. <laughs> like, I was in first grade, and I had a very discerning taste. I was probably like, this is not canon. If you want to add them loose, the older 3PO and R2 are now pretty expensive too, aren't they? Uh, oh, God, I know. And that, um, that toy store, that I'm sorry, comic book store that in Connecticut that was where I got a bunch of trilogues from, they also had droids and Ewoks, and among them I remember a, a 3PO and just passing it up at the time for $20, $15. Um, do you still have most of your childhood toys? Oh, I have every single thing from my childhood Star Wars related and also G.I. Joe related. I, I used to put up such a fight when my mom would be cleaning out my room, and um, not only do I have all of my Star Wars toys, figures, and vehicles, all the card backs, which probably helps in my, now that I'm thinking about it, it probably helps in my ability to recall where and when I was when I purchased them. What one of your childhood toys is the most beat up? I have a really nice, um, I'll share it on, on your Facebook page, um, my Luke Farm Boy um, with brown hair, which came off of a uh, Empire Strikes Back 47 back with four long offer. <laughs> I feel like Rain Man or something like right now. Um, but uh, I remember the head popped off of it and like so many of my broken toys, my dad would uh, fix it with uh, like epoxy or super glue or something. And so the glue seeps all over the figure and you couldn't move like the left side of its body. And it's, uh, it's like the definition of a beater figure, but it's probably my favorite figure. That's six. You can kind of determine what the most play with toys, can't you, by the condition? Oh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. On, on the flip side of that, then, what, what one of your childhood toys is the most immaculate? The Power of the Force ones, like, um, you know, a lot of people probably complain that a man, a man, like, there, there's always something wrong with his staff or EV-99. Um, those ones just being at the end of the line, just they're all tight, tight limbs, and, and, and they're the ones that are on display. So I, 
I've gone back and replaced a lot of my childhood figures for my loose collection, but I didn't have to replace any of my Power of the Force figures or, you know, some of the figures like the guys in Jabba's palace who probably didn't have much to do in the Star Wars universe but stand next to Jabba's throne room are still in pretty good shape. So moving on to now, can you give us an overview of what your collection looks like? My collection looks like a... A sprawling, in my opinion, masterpiece. In my basement, I have a finished basement, and uh, I built shelves and a custom display case for my loose collection. And I have um, just pine shelves that I hung up all over the over all over the walls. And my carded collection is on display. My childhood playsets and my at and my childhood Millennium Falcon are all on display. So pretty much, my wife has free reign decorating the entire house, but the basement just all my toys. Star Wars, Superpowers, Gecko, you name it. So you're, you're into other other toy lines, not just Star Wars? You've... Not as extensively as Star Wars. I mean, I have a, uh, you know, a few key pieces from other lines. Like, I have just, like, my favorite characters from G.I. Joe. And, you know, I've always been kind of a comic book guy, so I have some Secret Wars and Superpowers figures from the 80s. But um, nowhere even near complete as my Star Wars collection. Not that a Star War- my Star Wars collection will ever be complete, but... And what about modern Star Wars toys? You said you collected Power of the Force 2. I have a, <laughs> two giant plastic bins full of Power of the Force figures sitting up in my attic. Yeah, I'm not really into modern figures. I bought some of the main characters from The Force Awakens when they came out, uh, like around the time of Force Friday. But they've been really hard to find. Like Every time I go to Target or Toys R Us or something, I was just for the heck of it, just see what they have. and They've been pretty hard to find around. Especially the main characters, like your Rays and your Fins and stuff. They seem to have disappeared over here. Yeah, yeah. You know, every now and then they'll come out with a six-inch Black Series figure that just looks so cool that I can't pass up, like Boat Fett or Luke and Han in Stormtrooper gear. Like any time something with those characters and, and, and that get-up come out, I kind of go for it. But also as a teacher around the holidays and right before summer vacation, my students are always giving me Star Wars stuff because it's no secret that I'm the Star Wars nut at my school. So You just basically buy modern pieces that take your fancy, you know. Yeah, they're so few and far between, though. Not, 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 not really into the modern stuff. Have you ever sold an item in your collection which you've massively regretted? Yes, the aforementioned Snaggletooth, uh, the PBP one. I sold it earlier this year. Oh, I figured moved it back on, right? Yeah, I know. It's it was kind of a sentimental piece. It was the thing that got me back into collecting. I sold it um, for a very good deal, I think, to. Uh, someone on one of the Facebook groups. Good guy. I'm glad it's in his collection. But uh, I did it to fund, to actually put the finishing touches on my carded run, and I replaced it with a Kenner US Snaggletooth. And what are your favorite pieces in your collection? Well, my last 17 figures in my loose in my loose set, they're uh, all in really good condition, and they're all mine from my childhood. So I guess anything from my childhood really is my favorite, but um, of the things that I got recently, I got a really good deal on an Empire Strikes Back Canadian uh, Toy Fair um, Princess Leia. I don't know if you know the story, but there's a, something written on the Star Wars Collector's Archive about French-Canadian Empire Strikes Back for, uh, 41 back Princess Leia's. They have like a tear on the front and a tear on the back. It's been kind of uh, determined that they all came from a Canadian Toy Fair display. And um, uh, Yehuda Kleinman has like three or four, maybe five of them from that display. And I happened to come across one of them, I, I suppose, in the wild, so to speak. And I got it for very cheap. And it's part of my collection. And I'm very proud of it. Do you know why they had these rips on them? Yeah, because they were glued to each other, apparently. So um, in, in the 1980 Toy Fair in Toronto, apparently 
Kenner's booth was just above the Kenner's booth. There was a like a strip of just carded Princess Leia figures and maybe some other characters too. I'm not quite sure. Apparently, they were separated and never opened, but they've kind of just trickled their way into people's collections. And you know, there's probably probably about a dozen of these in people's collections, and they're often passed up as, as beater figures because of the tear. You know, there's a big yeah. tear going down the front of the card and there's some tear on the back of the card. But uh, it's actually kind of a unique little piece that uh, has become somewhat of a, a niche item from people's collections. And I happen to have found one very cheap. Yeah, it's nice that the tear's got a bit of a bit of a backstory. Yeah. And what about oddball items? Do you go down, you know, the stationery or Sigma or posters or anything on that kind of? Yeah, I have a few things in my collection, again, from childhood. Like, um, I really love the Topps trading cards. I don't know if you call that, if you would consider that yeah. oddball. But um, the Burger King glasses I have. Yeah, they're... I'm trying to think. I was talking about before the Presto Magic sets. I want to collect all of those because those were huge in my childhood. I used to get those a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Anything vintage Star Wars, I think, is cool. So, <laughs> and I could talk about this stuff all day. And I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that you have me on. I finally have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> the Presto Magic things. How many of them are there? Do you know? That's a, that's a good question because I just what what spurred m- my recent interest is somebody posted one of them on the Facebook groups. Um, there's a, a new auction site, and uh, I've been kind of keeping my eye on it. I know they did maybe about four or five different Return of the Jedi ones, but other than that, I don't know if they even did them for Empire. I don't think they did them for A New Hope, but I would like to find out. It's something I want to find out more about. Oh, and also another thing that I'm trying to get into is um, there's uh, these little, they're like miniature um, movie theater posters from Japan. They're called Sarashi. Oh, uh, I, friend bought, of- I bought them all last year. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And they're, quite, they're not so bad to track down. I've actually got a very good contact in Japan, which I'll send you over his details. Excellent. Because, um, yeah, one of these collector meetings, um, someone that I met is heavily into Sarashi. And he actually, um, I think he contributed his collection to the Star Wars Collector Archive, this guy John. And um, he kind of whet my appetite for, for those. Yeah. And and what's surprising is that they're they're not that expensive, and it just seems like something fun to collect and frame. And I, I kind of want I know where in my house where I want to put them. I want to put them all going down my staircase into my collection room. So yeah, the images the images nice on them actually. So what are you actively collecting now? Yeah, I'm you know I'm just always looking for a bargain, and I'm gonna pursue the Power of the Force last seventeen figures as cheap as I can. I'm just gonna employ my usual bargain hunting methods. And anything else I can find <laughs> that's a bargain and interesting, I'm always looking for. My collection knows no bounds. <laughs> the best way. Sometimes it's not the best way, actually. Some are a bit like that as well. Yeah, I guess you can say so I'm much a... random stuff, don't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, someone coined the phrase "unfocused focused collectors." So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's probably a spot on. <laughs> yeah. You said earlier that you, you had completed your loose run by Celebration 2. Do you go to many conventions and events? Celebration 2 was the last one I went to, unfortunately. And I wanted to go to this to 7 in Anaheim. And I was pretty dead set on it. But it just happened to be the same weekend that my wife and I went on our honeymoon in Mexico. So it wasn't in the cards. Bring your wife over to um, London, second honeymoon. Well, be a rough year. We might, you know. We're, we're. I still have tons of family over in Ireland, and we even intend on heading over the pond to go visit my my aunts and uncles and cousins in Ireland. And when we're there, when we're there, we're definitely going to come to come to England. So uh, hey, that's it. Sell some of your other toy line. It's sorted. Yeah, <laughs> get 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 rid of those power the force two figures. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, like the way you think. Yeah, I think it's spot on. A question I always ask at everybody before we go is, if the Earth was being evacuated and everyone was being moved to a new planet which had limited space, money is not important as everyone's starting over, you're allowed to take just one piece from your collection, what would you be packing up and why? I knew you were going to ask this, Stuart. Oh, boy. Hey, you can't put your arms around a memory, Johnny Thunders once said, but you definitely can put your arms around a piece of memorabilia that makes you nostalgic. I would probably take that beat-up, glued-head Luke Skywalker farm boy figure that I've had since I was about four, four years old. Wonderful. I like, I like that question because a lot of people take that one one massive memory from, from their youth. Yeah. Well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us you know i know the time difference in the middle of your day over there so oh story it's been a pleasure anytime i could talk to a fellow star wars collector about star wars toys you know i'm uh, i'm game uh, thank you ever so much michael thank you Stuart. have a good one
up with Star Wars The Force Awakens, Ray's theme, Violin vs. Machine cover by 24violins.com. I really like how Ray's theme and The Force theme seem to go together, as well cool. Uh, the guys who actually made this were super friendly, so please take the time to check out their website at 24violins.com. On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They peel them with their metal knives. Boil them for 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. The primitive people, I'll have you know that in 1978, children collected and played with toys from the greatest movie franchise in history, so popular that adults are paying hundreds of times their original value to have them back again 40 years later. Oh. For Mash, get Smash. So now it's over to Jez for this month's newest acquisitions. Hello, what Here we go. Right then, lads. Whilst I've had a bit of a dry spell this month, others amongst you certainly haven't. Where am I going to start, boys? At number one. <laughs> very good. Thanks very much for that, Pete. Yeah, I heard you correctly. I'm going to start with Star Wars Forum UK. So if you want to have a little follow along on the forum yourself, we'll go straight to page 1831. Now, this is a great tale, and it's all about Michael Sith. Now, friendly fellow who's been on Star Wars Forum UK for, for quite a while now and has already gone through the rankings and has had well over 5,000 posts, what seems an actually in only about 11 minutes. But he's there, he's always there to cheer people up, to offer advice, and he's just always on hand. And this was noticed by Frank Star. Frank, who's on the forum and who's been on there since, well, before I was there, and Frank did something quite special. Yeah, Jez, um, it was great, as you said there. I mean, Mike's done a hell of a lot for the forum. And it was great when Frank stepped forward and said, we're going to do an auction of some of Mike's artwork, which a lot of us have benefited from, with the idea in that the proceeds were going to fund some items that Mike was after. Um, namely, he was after first 12 loose, hoping to get perhaps first 21 at some point, and the action figure out of space. Frank was, you know, doing his best to get a first action out of space, and he looked... He scoured eBay, he had lots and lots of people looking for him, all the Facebook groups saying, guys, if you've got one for sale, please contact Frank. It was awesome. The day that Frank um, sent the PM to say, I've got the first 12 display stand, was absolutely brilliant. But it wasn't just that, was it? It wasn't. He had quite a bit of money left over. So he bought, uh, it was about a dozen or so mocks he managed to get, including the price, several baggies and a full set of first 12 to complement the display stand. So not only did that show the great generosity from the guys in the forum, it also showed how frugal Frank was, you know, and and guys coming forward saying, all right, I I know what this is for. I'm going to perhaps offer you the the item that I've got for sale for a little bit less. And it it wasn't just Star Wars Forum UK coming together. It was lots of people in the Star Wars world who were, oh yeah, I've heard of Star Wars from UK, you do great competitions, you do great community events, I'm, I'm willing to chip in, even though some of them, and perhaps even a lot of them, may not have even heard of Mike, it was just such a good feel-good story. Fantastic, just completely phenomenal. Thanks very much, Frankster man, you really, really nailed it. The Force will be with you, always. But it's just it's just awesome for Michael, and it just so shows how much he is uh, appreciated on the forum. Good on you. 
moving on. Ian's poster bin. It's on page 1833. Ian's picked up this poster display. Now, Grant, you were checking this out, weren't you? Uh, yes, mate. This is a Empire Strikes Back poster bin display with the header card as well. It was for Empire Strikes Back in America. It was part of a... Well, three licensees got together, and basically if you bought their products, you would receive one of the four free posters. Uh, one of the licensees was Crisco that sold, like, oil, sort of like, you know, vegetable oil or something like that. Uh, Procter & Gamble, who did an offer with their Pringles. And Duncan House, that was offered someone something called Moist and Easy. Any ideas what Moist and Easy is? <laughs> no, well, when I was actually writing my show notes, I, I actually wrote, this is genuine, I wrote Crisco, nice and moist, and then I wrote Pringles. Yeah, I've got no idea what moist yeah, is. Yeah, keep it PG, any ideas, guys? <laughs> is it is it Jez's cod piece after he's van and he's stormtrooper? Oh, my word. Nice. Um, no, it, it's actually cake, I believe. Maybe I got that wrong, but I believe it is cake, but be very careful Googling that. Uh, the four posters <laughs> consist of... Um, <laughs> Luke on Dagobah, C-3P and R2-D2, Vader being flanked by two stormtroopers, and Han and Leia, uh, I love you, I know, in the carbonite chamber. Um, Grant, just, uh, I mean, uh, I think you mentioned that Pringles were PNG, but all that that's a whole Procter & Gamble display. No, it's in a partnership with three other... Yeah, they're all, all, all owned by Procter & Gamble. Are they? Yeah. Ah. Because uh, I used to work for them, so... Right, so they've <laughs> they got... That man that I am. So they got the oil, they got the Pringles, and they got the moist and easy. That's typical Procter & Gamble for you. I mean, they, they sold it off recently, Pringles, but yeah, that, that's a... I'd imagine it'd be a Procter & Gamble display. Check out their marketing campaign. When the Empire strikes back, be there. Capture the Star Wars legend in spectacular posters. Free with the purchase of Crisco Oil, Pringles, and Duncan Hines Moist and Easy. Check participating stores for details. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, Star Wars, Procter & Gamble things that do the rounds, aren't there? These things, posters and all sorts of stuff. Now, I thought these were a pretty common display to find. Pretty common to find for posters as well. Uh, I mean, not I mean, Star Wars shop displays are not easy to find, but as Star Wars shop displays go, I believe that they were pretty easy to find. There was uh, One of them was sold at Vectors in April last year when they had that big uh, shop, uh, shop display sale. So I contacted Ian, and he, Ian said that he actually got one of these from one of the uh, Crisco... Sales reps, which I thought, wow, that's fantastic. And apparently, um, this sales rep managed to uh, take 37 of them that were being dumped. So, you know, when he was working there, there was 37 of them. He's obviously sold them off. He had three left, and Ian's managed to actually get one of these. But I was chatting to Ian about it, and he's under the impression through discussing this with, you know, friends in America that this is actually quite a tricky shop display to come across. So it had me thinking. I mean, I've, I've I've got one of these, and I picked it up years ago. And I was thinking, maybe I just think that it's not rare because of the relative ease that I found one, and maybe they are rare. Maybe this is a massive misjudgment. Regardless, anyway, it's a fantastic shop display. He's got the shipping carton as well with it. He also said to me he doesn't quite know how to display it. And I said, well, I've been having the same problem for the last three or four years as well, but I think I might put it back in the shop in, uh, in the shipping carton and leave it there but it is a fantastic piece and uh, what a tragedy to throw 27 of those out but um, yeah well done Ian good luck with that one mate so that's page 1841 wow is all I wrote initially check this out Nick Isle of Wight he's got mint on cards a leddy cloud car pilot Rich yeah um, I mean Nick came on the forum 
what was it, about six months ago now, to say that he was going to head off on a new route with his focus. And he mentioned Cloud Car Pilot, and I've looked at that and thought, yeah, right, we'll just see. I don't think the Jawa Hunter can deviate. But this just appeared out of nowhere, didn't it? Bam, there you go. Accorded, Lily Leddy, Cloud Car Pilot. Now, we all know that a complete, complete loose one is really hard to find. Um, I think it's the comic in particular is, is a nightmare to track down. And I think I've seen complete ones go for over £100 now, possibly even closer to £200. Very, very hard to track one down. But I couldn't even dream on how difficult it is to get a carded one. It's possibly the only one that I've seen, not that I've paid special attention to carded cloud car pilots, but I'm certainly not aware of many. So congratulations, Nick. An absolute stellar item. What's going on with the um, nameplate? What's, what's it over there for? Is that is that down to the X? That's a good question, that actually. It must be down to the X because like it's kind of like there. It's amazing, though. I want one. I want three. <laughs> I asked him about it. And I said, "Look, you know, mate, can I have a scoop? How did you get it? Tell me a little bit about it." I got it from a guy in Mexico. Funny old thing. It's actually a partial resale, but a really good one. It has to be said. Someone posted a complete Leddy mint on card run, and I mentioned I had the nice Leddy CCP and how it's a grail of mine. And the post gets seen, and a guy messaged me saying he had a cut card and a partial, partial resale he'd sell me. So it, it pays to advertise, doesn't it? Well, you know, Nick's quite famous for having 500 loose showers. I wonder if he'll go for 500 loose cloud car pilots. <laughs> I don't think the world could actually take that. It's a lot I, of think the Isle, I, think, I think the Isle of Wight would sink. Stu, on page 1840, you were checking out Sean Kay's Luke Jedi Mint on card. Now, what was so special about that? <laughs> um, this has the Scoo sticker on the top left of the card. Um, basically, a Scoo is a stock keeping unit. That's what it is short for. And it's basically a number assigned to a product by a retail store to identify like, something like price, product description, manufacturer, warranty terms, anything like that. And they don't often be found on the old Star Wars vintage cards. And if they are, they're normally very top left of the card, a little black sticker that's been added. Um, yeah, so they're quite they're quite quite rare, but very desirable, which I never quite understand. Um, it appears that really only focus collectors desire these items because they add about two three hundred quid or dollars, don't they, to the item? Um, do any of you boys own a, a skew card for your collections? I bet your Grant must have one. Um, no, mate, I don't really know much about those, mate. To be honest. <laughs> okay. But it's weird. It's strange, you know. Some people are calling them mocks. Some people call them minton cards. You were calling them skew. I, I just, I just naturally was referring to it in my head as SKU sticker. But there we go. How crazy is that? But the uh, the actual post which Sean put on, I'm glad to say I finally found a Luke Jedi with a SKU skew sticker. I know this is one of those things that only a focus collector really cares about. To put it in perspective, I've only seen two. This one included, and I've been on the hunt for about five years now. So, wow. Yeah, from a focus collector. Good on you, mate. Congratulations. I bet you're really, really delighted. But as you say, for everyone else, it doesn't look like much at all, does it, really? Page 1843. Lee Gregory. Bam. Fantastic score. Everyone can be chuffed with this, I'm sure. Bargain. Palatoy Stormtrooper. Really great deal. Pete, now you're our market man. Tell me how good a deal this was. Ridiculous. And unfair. It's a 48-back kind of stormtrooper with a Palatoy offer. 
So what you've got is, as you said, Kenner on the front with the Nienump sticker on the front and on the back, yeah. the Palatoy sticker straight over the Kenner address. So you've got a Kenner Palatoy crystal clear bubble, £12.50 plus £3.50 postage. Yeah. £12.50. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And sticker. unpunched. Where well, did you, where did you get that from? Well, I don't know. Where did you get it from? It wasn't like eBay or something. Well, the fact is, it's twelve fifty plus three fifty postage. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a round number. It sounds like a sort of eBay thing to me. It really that's, does. That's a good deal, that is. The only other forty-eight uh, back I could find was a forty-eight D, and that went, and that was the only one I could find in two years of tracker information, and that went for seventy-six quid. So you know, just oh. I was trying to find uh, another low-priced stormtrooper, and the best I could do, Jazz. Um, I managed to find, using the Star Wars Trekker, a 77A for £27 that went last year. And that's it. That's as low as you can get. So that's just ridiculous. Whoever this person is selling blooming <laughs> quality Stormtroopers for £12, needs to come around my house and sell me some. We need to find the seller and, you know, befriend him. He might <laughs> find something else. I mean, £12. Like I said, the cheapest Stormtrooper finds probably, well, was, was in a reasonable condition, but you know, twice, well, plus twice as much, but that's a crazy thing. Page 1845. Now, there's something weird going on with the hammerheads on this page. I have lived long enough to see the same eyes in different people. Pete, I'm going to come back to you. These particular hammerheads with all the different eyes and all the different locations. What's going on here? I had no idea these sort of things existed, Jez, and I mean, I've been trying to study about it, but uh, I'm not the greatest pupil when it comes to uh, these kind of things. I mean... Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, see I mean, what you did there. <laughs> well, this one is a zombie eyes. He's just got no pupils. Can you, can you remember a while back on the forum where they tried to find the most odd-looking hammerhead, and I think somebody came up with a bung-eyed variant where one eye was literally pointing as far to the left as it possibly could and the other one was pointing as far to the right as it possibly could so you, you can see you see these hammerheads they're, they're all over the place they are the eyes are literally everywhere up down left right every direction isn't that called boss eyed Rich boss eyed is it <laughs> I think it's called boss eyed but I mean has anyone got any any kind of weird paint app madness because I said I mean stuff that's missing I mean you can kind of just say someone's rubbed it off I've got a few kind of wonky I've got a wonky layer kind of eyebrow it's kind of like half whip a forehead and that's, that's about it <laughs> well this one so it was uh, sub-level studios so Mark got it for £7 now <laughs> I described the limbs of these ones as turd brown limbs and the neck is normal sort of much richer hammerhead colour but it's just zombie eyes so completely white eyes now I've heard of eyes to the left and, uh, and this, uh, the other eyes down you, you're talking about going for different sort of hammerhead variation put it into Google saying Hammerhead Strange Eyes and it took me to a thread actually on Star Wars Forum UK in 2007. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> a guy called Mash selling a collection. Now he had eyes straight ahead, wonky eyes, eyes up, eyes down, eyes left, it was just black eyes, then just white eyes 
and then go on no eyes. Because if, if if you think how that's going to be produced, so that figure is probably going to be you know, whatever piece on a production line, and you've got probably a little machine or a little little person or something, you know, dotting those eyes in. I mean, the variation must be so common because. You know, the machine, it's just going to keep stamping those things. And it's not the best thing to stamp as if it curves around a little bit. It's not flat. So I'd imagine it, it must be an absolute pain on a production line to actually get those consistent. And, uh, and they ain't going to bother throwing away, are they? Thinking, well, it, it, the eyes are in there somewhere. That'll do. And if you haven't got eyes, it looks good anyway. It looks like an alien. But uh, that's, that's just production madness for those. I see your eyes. Know your eyes. Mark's happy enough with it. Seven pound, two brown limbs version with uh, <laughs> creepy eyes. <laughs> Get on your mate. Move on to Rebel Scum. So we go over to Rebel Scum on page 169. Punk Pat, who we've seen before, and he's on other forums as well, has got a signed Emperor's Royal Guard mint on card sample. Now, what, what value does this add to it, Grant? Um... This is a real issue with this one. I mean, I've never seen one like this. And usually you find the QC samples, I don't know if you've seen them, it's usually a large green cart that goes across them. Uh, but this one's got a little white sticker on the back. Um, guessing it would have been taken off the production line. Um, I actually emailed uh, Punk Pat or Ed, and he said that he's been aware of the green carded QC samples, but not one like this. So we're going to need a little bit more help on this because there doesn't seem to be that much information about it. I was going to actually put some photographs on our Facebook for people to look at. Maybe we could feed back and get back to this next month. There are two staples on the card as well, which is why the bleeds have probably got a 70 on an AFA grade. Uh, perhaps the writing was stapled to it. It's been lost over time. I mean, the card is unpunched, so perhaps it came directly from you know the, the packing of the, the figure. It does say uh, packing on it. But I've never actually seen this sticker before and could not find any information about it. But it'd be great, you know, if we get some photographs up and maybe we could feed this, uh, any information that we get back to Ed and he can finally find out, you know, uh, what part of the process this, this figure was in. Now let's see if we can't figure out what you are, my little friend. And where you come from. Yeah, great shout. That'd be, uh, that'd be really awesome. I saw those two staples and I was thinking, yeah, there's another part to this story that we're just not aware of. So yeah, you can put the picture up, mate. That'd be awesome. But, uh, in the meanwhile, yeah, it's going to be on page 169 of Rebel Scum. <laughs> Moving over to page 170, it was just a quickie. The fact is that there are still some bargains out there. Teak, five pound eBay, leddy squid head with all the stuff. Utterly brilliant. Utterly brilliant. Pete, are we are we talking a really good deal or a phenomenal deal? Okay, right. This is a ridiculous deal. Right? And it, again, I'm going to start crying very soon because these deals... Why am I not finding these deals? And everyone else is. What's going on? But anyway, do you want some facts on Lily Leddy Squidhead? I'd love some facts on Lily Leddy. you want Lady's... some blooming facts? Right, last year, there was 12 found. 12 listed, so... Now, this is not on Facebook groups. This is just ones that are picked up on eBay and auction sites or whatever. Can you guess what the average is paid for a little lady squid head? Come on, just quickly, 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 quickly. What's the average? £120. £120. No, £167.5p. Absolutely unbelievable. And then the highest pay was £332. 
Um, and someone did actually get a reasonable bargain with a £24.58 one, so. And, uh, no, this is just the, the regulation Lou Lady one, so. I mean, £5, not fair. I'm gonna run away now and cry. Bye. We are just caveating this with, with regards to the cape standard sort of green leddy, uh, yeah. cape. We're not talking yes. any of the burgundy ones here, but for £5, one utter score. Teak. Good on you, mate. Uh, it's great to hear people scoring. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Imperial Gunnery Forum, page 29. What did we see there? Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, Walkie showing off some sweet pox which demonstrate under sprays, but it says Uzi. <laughs> Uzi. Uzi 9mm. Is this Uzi? Emperor's Royal Guard, which just looks utterly awesome. Now, Rich, I know that you go on uh, the Imperial Gunnery Forum, don't you? What have you seen about these, buddy? I, I do, Jess. Um The Emperor's Royal Guard is a really stunning figure on its own. Um, and obviously you, you pointed me to this one, and I had a look at it, and I always thought that the Uzai capes were darker than the typical kind of ones, and, and uh, Walkies is quite light. Um, and I know he said that it had a, a glued head, um, etc. So, so I thought, I wonder if it's not got the right cape, but until I did a bit of research, and I've now discovered that there's three variations of the Emperor's Royal Guard, there's the, the dark cape, which what I was aware of, which is much darker than the typical crimson coloured one that we've got there's also the light one which uh, walkie's got and then there's the no cloak variation um and there's there's quite a few mocks out there that have the empire's world guard with no no cloak at all um so although it seems as though that the empire's world guard is one of the easiest ooze eyes to acquire it is a stunning figure and uh, well done walkie it's cracking yeah it looks nails uh, and right next to his uh, under sprays, uh, just, it's, it's just a cracking photograph. I urge people to check it out. But Rich, yeah, man, great research. I had no idea about that. That's uh, really, really cool. So check it out on the Imperial Gunnery. And moving on then to page 31, Jedi June showing off a hand blaster, just a regular hand blaster for his vintage hand figure, which has completed his hand trench run. He's delighted with this because it was one of the things which was eluding him for a while. So what are we talking about at the moment on these blasters and weapons? Because from what I've seen on forums recently and on Facebook, weapons have just gone through the absolute roof. What's going on? Um, I actually looked up a couple of different uh, figures for this. And now a Jawa, the most recent capes have been sold, £9.95 loose, okay, cloth cape. And the blasters are selling for roughly around the £19 mark. Or you can buy up a complete one for 25 quid. It makes no sense to be buying these in pieces. Because <laughs> that's 30 quid without the actual figure, right. which just seems mental to me. And the other, the other interesting thing was, now you can get a nice complete Nikto, the last five sold in the UK. £10, £3, £7, £10, £6. Or you can buy a loose battle staff, because people want them for their yak faces, for £15, £10 or £24. Which is the same way. <laughs> that just makes no sense. Makes no sense. So to me, it just makes sense to buy your figures complete. Because I think it's mentally mental to be going down that route, especially if you then go and try and find a, a saber on its own or an A-wing pilot gun on its own. It's not going to happen. So you're just saying buy complete and then sell this figure separately, or just keep it as a double or give it to your kid. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always find uh, I always find uh, loose figures are always good without weapons to put in your shits a few displays. So have any of you guys got any figures which you're still yet to complete from a weapon point of view? Yep, yep. 
<laughs> you haven't got to do that anymore. <laughs> About 18 months ago, I probably had 80 of the figures, and some of them had weapons, some of them didn't. So what I did was I put the whole lot into a plastic box and put them in my garage. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And Best start, way. started afresh buying them complete. So I could probably complete nearly my collection, but I won't go out and touch that until I've completed them. Is that box of uh, figures, Stu? Is that near the Ark of the Covenant in your still in your storeroom? <laughs> yeah. They will be used for uh, for display purposes when I get round to it. He's got top men looking after it. Well, I've got an indoor black blaster down the back of my radiator somewhere, but I'm never ever going to dig it out. I know it's down there. <laughs> That's how you keep it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how small is your radiator, Rich? it's a very very big radiator I think you need to take the wall out from outside and just dig in that way yeah well good on you Jedi June it's nice you know you can see the fact that you're delighted that you've finally completed your hand trench coat so yeah happy for you buddy and then on page 32 the final one of the Imperial Gunnery Forum Darth Map with a bargain land of the Jowers but it was the Meccano Yoda which he's put next to it which I really like the look of it just looks totally different no no different, only different in your mind. Rich, once again, you've been looking at all these different variants and stuff. Meccano, Yoda, Telltale Signs? Right, actually, Jez, I'm not going to thank you for this one because it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous to do some research on the Meccano Yoda. Always with you, it cannot be done. And I'm sure a lot of the variant uh, collectors are nodding their heads now and knowing exactly where I'm going with this. So certain are you. so difficult. They were endless debates on all of the forums between McConnell, Power the Force, are the same, are they different? And I think personally, I guess a lot of this comes down to what a variant is. So certain are you. And as we heard from last uh, month's episode with Tommy Garvey, he said that a variant is basically a conscious decision to make a change for a prolonged length of time. Um, not one that's perhaps just a different batch that's just been operated for a short time due to a minor, minor change, for example, you know, whatever plastic's cheaper for that month. And these debates have been raging for years, and I still don't think there's one solid answer that this is the difference between the two. Now, generally, some people will say, well, the Yoda with the slightly lighter co- cloak, the lighter green paint, and the brownish, what's known as Pac-Man eyes, was assumed to be the power of the force, whereas the Yoda with the, the normal darker cloak, normal green darker paint, and the blackish full eyes was assumed to be Meccano. Uh, and the cane is also perhaps a little bit rubbery on the power of the force. But then you've got some guys have said, well, actually, you can find um, one of the Yodas on the other card back. So that sort of makes a mess of everything, what everybody assumed was, you know, a clear uh, definition between the two. So personally... I don't I haven't read anything that I can say with full confidence that either one way is correct. And it's very, very likely that I think that both Yodas will crop up on both card backs due to the limited sample size that we've seen so far. Um, and I think it may have been back in 2014 where there was a plea on TIG for can as many people take photographs of Power the Force um, and Meccano Yodas as we can. And there may be less than half a dozen, which is far too small to say for... Uh, definitive either way is correct wow great research yeah again rich thanks for ever, ever so much for that where would be the best place for people to find out this information then just to you know further read in from what you've just said 
Tig was probably the most useful. There's a, um, a thread started by uh, Wolf, who's known as the CEO guy. Um, yeah. But he changes his mind throughout that thread. He starts off by saying one thing, and then he changes his mind to something completely different based on new evidence. And then some other guys come forward with new input, so he changes his mind again. So it's a very, very tricky um, thing to look at. Ah, so... As we're going through the thread, things are changing all the time from the same author. You must unlearn what you have learned. Mm. Okay, so thanks very much for that, Rich. Yeah, once again. And moving on to the new guys, Tant of Eleven, on page 14. We've got Dr. Dengar with his gifted Polk factory era ATAT driver that came with the catalogue. Now, he's put this up there straight away. You see the ATAT driver and the catalogue next to it. At the bottom, he just says, error, factory error. Grant, what did you think of this? Because I just loved it. Yeah, this is a really nice piece. It was a New Year's gift from a friend of his called uh, Pablo. Uh, it comes, as you say, with the uh, P, uh, PBP. Sorry, Jez, I'm going to need a little rap help on this one. PBP. CCP. PBP. BP mini catalog. Um, the ATAT driver himself is actually a factory fault. Uh, it has two left arms. So a really interesting piece there. Um, the catalog is also, it's got not just the uh, PBP logo on it, but it's also got the POC logo on it. So I guess it's at that transitional period. Um, I tried to, I reached out to Marco, Dr. Denger. Um, unfortunately, I reached out to him a little bit too late and he hasn't managed to get back to me yet. I do find, um, just by researching this, there the the section on uh, PVP on the Imperial Gunnery is it's quite intimidating. How much these guys know and how in depth they go to to find out what's a PVP and what's a POC. Um, I actually felt intimidated by it. I felt like a balloon floating above a hedgehog. I was that intimidated. Um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, they, they break it down in so many different ways. Like there's little marks on different figures. I mean, I'm not a loose figure collector, but I was. I mean, it was quite inspiring actually. I thought, yeah, maybe I could get to collecting POC and PBB figures. And they break it down as in looking at there's certain categories that will make it a POC figure or a PBP figure. And you'll have like a pure POC figure, which is like a category one, a POC hybrid, which is a category two, a PBP uh, figure, which is a category three, and then an imported figure, which is category four. And the way they analyze this is by finding out, is it imported overstock from Asia? Did the factory take part in the painting process? Are they sonic welded? Were they imported from Asia or Mexico? Were they just packaged by PVP or POC? And the different car packs in which they come on. And that's just, that is just the very, very basic beginning. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Tip of the iceberg. It goes into so much depth on so many different figures. And I'm thinking, you know, you just never know. You might have a few PVP figures in there, and without these guys, you wouldn't know. So, unfortunately, um, I haven't managed to discuss this in depth with Marco, but he did probably get back to us and talk about the, the processes behind PVP and POC. Still, though, brilliant to have a, a POC figure itself, but one that, that one that's a factory fault as well. That's a, that's a double win right there. Yeah, absolutely love it. Thanks for that, Grant. It, it looks great. I urge people to check it out on Town of Eleven. Just the fact that I've heard of two left feet, but two two left arms, it just looks really, really cool. But you're right, the PvP, the pop, we just need to have a podcast pretty much dedicated to this. Uh, I think so. Because I think so. It, there is so much. And uh, yeah, let's whoever's out there, I mean, there are 
phenomenally knowledgeable people out there. Just, um, yeah, let, let's get you on at one point. Let's, let's figure it out uh, uh, and move this thing on because I really, really want to know more. Talking of which, on page, still on page 14, General Khan, um, he's a character on the forum. Finally, after many years of searching, he's managed to find himself a small head hand from Family One. Now, that's what he's written. Small head hand from Family One. First of all, that had me scratching my head. Stu, now what did you find out? <laughs> okay, first of all, I spent the first half an hour typing in Family I, um, because it doesn't look like a one on my show notes. Yeah, it could be a one, it could be an I. <laughs> it looks like there we go. Eventually... I went on Tantive and I saw that it was Family One. I spent ages looking at the different pictures and I c- cannot work out what the hell they are going on about. There's no rhyme or reason. Tantive, brilliant website, but please, 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 on that page, on those threads, just explain what you mean by Family One, Two and Three because I couldn't find no rhyme or reason when you compared the different families together that nothing was all the same. So, Jez, I'm hoping you're going to be able to enlighten me. Well, this is actually where Rich is going to come in and enlighten everyone. Well, not exactly, but I asked the question of um, that exactly same issue when I was looking at um, some of the CEO guides in there, and um, they stressed that it's a work in progress, but they did answer the question, but they put it in a different thread, um, and for the life of me, I can't really remember what they said now, but they're all going to cross-reference it back over. Um, apparently, it's a, a forum now that's been used for a lot of years, and they've just carried it on from another forum. So we don't have a great deal of answers apart from to say that it's all about the COO, the positioning, whereabouts is positioned, even the, the typeface it appears on the back of the legs. But what it does do is signpost people to these particular threads buried within Tantive 11, very similar in some respects to other forums where they've just catalogued it so well. The, the librarians, the, the mechanics on the forum have just got this beautifully shot, beautiful photographs, but this whole family one. I think people have to be careful sometimes when they put stuff on forums that they're just using terminology which could be lost on, on your average jazz. So, uh, yeah, please, you know, put breadcrumbs down to show exactly what you mean. But it, fantastic. Obviously delighted for General Calm. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's find out a little bit more about the family of COOs. And then, finally... I left Tantive 11 and went over to the Facebook group and a couple of things came up in the feed, all from Le Gloire de Etoile group. Anyone else want to have a go at pronouncing that? I think it was brilliant, Jazz. You should leave it there. You reckon that was good? Shall yeah. I show you one more time with my call? Le Gloire Le Gloire de Etoile. <laughs> We've group. now lost all our Canadian and French listeners. Yeah. Le Gloire Stella Etoile. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Rich. A hook from a farm boy, Luke. <laughs> um, I would say Le Gouard de Etoile. Go on, Pete. Get, Go on, Pete. Have a good Gueri des Etoiles. <laughs> right, so is that, is that all of us? Anyway, so we'll put some pictures up online. Matthew, uh, Matthew Bartholomew posting his Meccano miscard Luke Bespin with a Hoth soldier. Oh my word, this looks amazing. And it just from a, from a Luke focused collector, I want that Meccano French Luke X wing. But this, talking about this Meccano Luke Bespin with a Hoth soldier, phenomenal. Grant, Stu, you guys were checking this one out, weren't you? Well, amazing point number one, it's vintage. Amazing point number two, it's mint on card. 
Amazing point number three, it's a Luke Best being card back with a Hot Soldier miscard. Amazing point number four, it's Meccano. So, you know, I think that's pretty good in itself. So we have a Vintage Return of the Jedi Meccano Hot Soldier on a Luke Best being mint on card miscard. So it ticks up plenty of boxes there. I contacted Matthew about this, and he said it was originally, I recognized it from somewhere, it was originally sold to uh, a collector by the name of Mike Logan in the first place, but the uh, the bubble got damaged. Uh, it was originally purchased, I think, from Toy Hunter. The bubble got damaged, it was sent back, and then it was relisted, and Matthew actually picked it up. Unfortunately, when it got transferred, it got even more damaged again when Matthew actually picked it up. There's a bit more lifting on the card. Matthew actually said that there's, um, this is why the, the, the uh, Meccano bubbles are actually pretty fragile, and some Meccano bubbles are actually, they use tape to tape them down. Uh, they're that fra- fragile. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's really unfortunate. It's been damaged twice in the post. But, I mean, it's vintage. It's Meccano. It's a miscard. It's on a Return of a Jedi. It's a Return of a Jedi miscard. It's still a fantastic piece. It's just really unfortunate. But, you know, what a, what a cracking find. Awesome, isn't it? Awesome. Stu? Well, Grant's pretty covered it all there, hasn't he? The actual figure <laughs> can, can come out, can't it? Which is a bit of a shame. The, um, the previous buyer had a photo of him with it in his hand. The actual figure. So, real, real shame beautiful piece yeah when you actually check out when you go back to that facebook group there's some really good tips on shipping being discussed on that thread so if that thread can get bumped at one point because people have mentioned as you said grant those, those bubbles the mechanic bubbles that are very well known for for not being able to survive a journey so people have put some very good tips on making sure that your your mint on card figures have got the best chance whilst they are being posted i did think every now and then of massively treating myself to that one in the lulu blue shop in paris i just can't stretch to it but if i were to get it i think i'll probably have to have a trip to paris rather than uh, worry about it going in the post but yeah phenomenal really really good moving on the final one which i wanted to see is just a great find on the same group David Denariga posted two great mint on cards which were just about to get given to a four year old to play with until they were rescued now what's the story behind that then Pete well uh, I mean reading reading the, the I, I mean I, it's almost ridiculous it is almost ridiculous but, but again I mean that's, this is going to get everyone looking at the floorboards basically what happened was this guy's friend's mother was cleaning out her crawl space now we don't have crawl spaces over here and it sounds bad, but that's kind of like the space under the house where you stick crap for, for later, like boxes of all sorts. It's a big area under the house because obviously their houses are built slightly different than us. If you're British, you'd probably say cellar or something like that. But this is that little little area between the house. Anyway, anyway. If you're posh British. If you're posh British and you live in a garden. Um, but no, they found two Star Wars figures that she'd put away for her son and left them there for 30 years. Then... She got them out and thought, ooh, toys, and probably saw the ages four and up in the corner, and decided to wrap them up and give them to her four-year-old grandson. But thankfully, uh, they were rescued before the children got their hands on them, or the child got their hands on them, and, uh, and now they're in someone else's um, hands. But a uh, little part of me is thinking, oh, it's a real shame. I mean, that kid could have been slicing those open, getting those figures out, playing with them, and ignoring the fact that these adults are running around spending hundreds and thousands of dollars on these things, because I couldn't find any value to these on the Star Wars Trekker. They just didn't exist. They're quite, well, I wouldn't say rare, but they're not common. Go on, Rich, take over. Yeah, you pretty much covered everything there, Pete, except for, for naming what they were. So exactly, exactly, exactly. We had, we had 231 bucks, both Kenner Canada, 
Um, Hoth Rebel Soldier and Best Bid Look. So if anybody does know the value of those items, by all means let me know. And, you know, has, has this guy stopped a real tragedy from happening? I think so. <laughs> I think I think there's a good, what, grand there at least? I mean, those things are, I mean, you know, I, I, I just couldn't find any at all. For the last two years, Star Wars Trek information, not a single one of those turned up. And even the even the same the same 31 backs are just, you know, go for quite a lot of cash. So that is a, that is a big save. Brilliant. Brilliant find. Such a lucky chap. It's just a really nice way to end this month's new acquisitions. We started off with Michael Sith's Hall, thankfully put together by Frankster. What an amazing recognition of his contributions to the forum and a great bit of, of community work getting that together and then ending up with this massively brilliant find at the end. Strewn together a few bargains for five five pound leady squid and a few other bits and pieces and people finding stuff for their grails it's just been an amazing month and and i hope you enjoyed so please keep them coming keep them posting and it doesn't matter where you post them uh, we, we would love to see them and uh, we'll see what we can find next month cheers guys the vintage rebellion podcast is proud to be sponsored by vectus auctions limited collectible toy specialists You can find them online and see forthcoming or past auction results at www.vectis.co.uk. If you have a collection you may want to get valued for sale, then you can give them a ring on 01642 750616 or email them at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at vectis.co.uk. They have two sites for drop-in visits for collections in Thornaby, Stockton-on-Tees, and their postcode is TS179JZ. And they also have a site in Whitney, Oxfordshire, and that postcode is OX281UB. If you are contacting the Oxford office, please use the phone number 01993 709 424. This month's Market Watch is all about prices. I've used data mined from StarWarsTracker.com, which has recorded thousands of sold items across auctions worldwide over the past two years. Enjoy. Think about the money. Two or three million Think about the money. Imagine what you can do with it. $15 billion a year. Imagine what you can do with it. What do you reckon in 2015 was the most frequent mock sold? I'll start with you, Rich, because you're usually a good standard bearer of these sort of things. I would say probably a Jedi Weekly. Okay. Grant? Biker Scout. Interesting. Stu? Um, a Leia Boosh. Ooh, interesting. And Jazz? Lando Skiff. <laughs> Well, uh, whoever said Leia was almost right, it's actually the Leia Combat Poncho, uh, card, and it was about 90 of them that came up last year. Now, I was quite surprised, actually, with with the actual list of figures that, that, that came up frequency-wise. Um, now, I'm going kind to of, kind of ask you to, to just throw this out, if anyone wants to guess. Now, um, there is an Empire Strikes Back card that came up in the top 10 of most frequent figures. Now, most of them were 77 A's. I think 9 out of the 10, top 10, were Kenner 77 A's. But there was an Empire Strikes Back card in there. Anyone want to guess who that was? Now, I was amazed by this. I mean, this was in the 80s, so this was a figure that came up around about 80 times across eBay 
and across things like Vectus. Anyone have a guess oh. which figure it was? Orlom. Orlom. Go on. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, interesting, but way off. R2, <laughs> R2 sensor score. <laughs> well, you're, you are close if you were last year. If, so for 2014, that was actually the, the most common carded figure in 2014, believe it or not. Anyone else want to guess? Come on, Jez. Come on, have a, have a pop at this one. Bespin Guard. No, it was Yoda. Oh, yeah. Over 80 Yodas that came up. I mean, and this is in a list which includes Nikto, Pruneface, uh, Tebow. I mean, Rumble was the highest placed Power Force card, and that came in second. And again, that was just under 90 figures, um, or, or carded figures. Um, the most common tri logo figure that came up was Weequay. But anyone want to guess what the, the, the most common 12 back was? It was actually a 12C. That had the biggest frequency in 2015. Chewie. Sam Person. <laughs> Go on, keep going. Death Commander. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, uh, that, that, was actually, that was actually the most frequent um, Meccano one. But the most frequent Star Wars um, Kenner 12-back was an R2-D2, which I was quite surprised at, but there we go. Now, loose, um, I will go with Grant for this one. What do you think the most frequent loose figure was? Low grey. <laughs> it was actually Boba Fett with 793 sales recorded. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Right, next, I'm going to move on to a set of 12 backs. Now, I had to cheat a little bit here because uh, I couldn't get an entire range of Palatoy on 12As. They're kind of a bit hit and miss. How much it would cost you in 2015 to put together an entire set of 12As on the Kenner card? And hey, we've had this before when we, back yeah. when we first started. Exactly. Now we've got a whole um, year's worth of data. How much, how much did it cost you? Come to on, Richie said 85,000 last time. <laughs> uh, that was Palatoy. We'll set, I don't know, 9,000? Oh, pretty well off. Anyone want to go higher or lower on that one? Well, I think a lot lower. A lot lower? Uh, lot lower. Yeah. Uh, 3.8. 3.8. Anyone else want to want to get on this one, or should I just reveal? 3.9. 3.9. 3. 3.75. Well, you're all a little bit way off there. It was £5,688 to put together a 12A run in 2015, and that averages out at... Uh, £437 per figure. Now, 12B, there's actually enough information, that was £5,197. And 12C, um, actually got a whole range on that as well, 5250 For a range, there, weren't, there wasn't enough information for a whole range of uh, 12A or 12B in, in one range. So I kind of put them together a little bit. How much for a full range of, of 12-back Palatoy for 12? Rich, Rich has to go first. Come on, Rich. Richard, um, oh wait, you're talking a lot more now. Pounds, pounds, English pounds. In English pounds this time, not not dollars. Um, I'm going to go with twenty-two thousand. Anyone else want to go go around there? Uh, I'll go for twelve. Twelve, interesting. Nine thousand. Come on, Stu. Fifteen. Well, annoyingly, Rich was spot on 
absolutely what? spot on. <laughs> nice one. Twenty-two thousand nine hundred six pounds. So that averages around about one thousand six hundred thirty-six pounds. Now I did include in there big head hand and small head hand, so I was cheating a little bit. But yeah, well, you, did, you didn't say that. Pete. <laughs> Pretty much spot on there. Twenty-two grand for a, a full sort of palatoid twelve out run, which I think is quite good. I mean, the difference between the two figures are. I mean. I mean, for for a 12A or 12B run, you can actually get a full set of 12As, 12Bs, and 12Cs um, on Kenner cards for the price you pay for a, a run of uh, Palatoy 12 bucks in A or B. That's quite incredible. Now we're going to go to your focuses, which is going to be fun. So I will start with, at the top of my list, Stu. What is, what do you reckon the most common Greedo figure is? What, what, what card, card back? What card back, yeah. The loose one. <laughs> it's got to be, I reckon, an Empire 31 back. Really? The most, that, that's, you reckon that's the most common figure? I see quite Greedo. a few of Empire ones come up. Interesting, interesting. Well... Let's move on to Rich. What about an R5? <laughs> I can tell you which one I've bought four times now. Um, oh, it's going to be a toss-up between two of them. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the 77 here. Oh. Grant, what about your TIE Fighter pilot? 65 back. Interesting. Very interesting. And Jez... Luke Exxon, what's the most common card back it featured on last year? 65 back. Well, I'm going to reveal to you all, you're all completely wrong. <laughs> all completely wrong. Now, the Greedo, um, no, it's all pretty much the same. The, the Return of Jedi 77A back were the most common figures amongst all, apart from R5, uh, which was the Return of Jedi 70 back. Oh, sorry, 70B, sorry. 70 back. 70B. And, uh, the, but there's only seven of those. Now, um, who said, um, Grant, you said 65 back, didn't you? Or 65B for the TIE Fighter pilot? Yeah. That was actually 2014, you'd have been spot on there. Ah, well, that's <laughs> when I was buying them. Of course you were, Grant. I trust you. <laughs> I trust you completely. <laughs> now, now, obviously, as you're, you're focused collecting, I had a look at the, the highest pra- paid price. So, Pete, what did you see for the R5? What's the most common one? Um, Return of Jedi 70B. A 70B. But not that's by many, though, to be fair, Rich. It's, it's not by many. It was only... That's a trilogue, isn't it? There was, only, there was only seven recorded, but that was the highest amount. It was ones and twos all over the place. Now, remember, this is only data from eBay and Vectors and stuff, so it's not counting yeah. the forums, but... I, I've had three of those, yeah. <laughs> I've only got one left now, but I had three. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> okay, so I, I had a very quick look at what your... Um, sort of highest paced price card would be from last year. So th- now this is interesting. So this is what you got to look forward to in spending money. So Grant, we know you like to spend a lot of cash. Yours was actually the lowest. So the highest pra- paid price for a Tie Fighter pilot was actually the lowest figure. Can you guess what it was? It was five hundred and fifty-two pounds. You know what card back it was? And the, what is foreign? And uh, no, this is a Palatoy card. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. You know oh, all right, it's a Trilogo, mate. So that's the Return of Jedi 70B. Well done. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Stew Pot? How much do you reckon you would have to pay for your highest figure? Now, I'll give you a, a guess. It's a Palatoy figure again. Yeah, about four and a half grand. Ooh. Do you know which one it was? 
What the card um, is? It was a t- twenty-one back. Ooh, it was twenty A, but three thousand six hundred pounds. So that is mm. yeah. That you got you got to look, look forward to that. So I hope you've uh, you've told the wife there'll be no holidays this year when you get that that figure. Uh, let's have a look at Jez. Jez, you were you were the second lowest actually for yours. Can you guess what it was? The second lowest, highest oh. price. Yeah, so amongst the guys here, so yeah, uh, thirty Palatoy thirty. Uh, no, it was a Kenner um, twenty one back. Oh, sorry, twenty one B for what? one thousand one hundred twelve pounds. So it's affordable. <laughs> and then and finally, Rich. <laughs> what? What? Rich. Then the McConnor R five. Uh, do you know how much? Uh, it was. I think it was five thousand euros. Where was that on, Rich? Where was that? That was on eBay. No, it wasn't. Was it not? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was on maybe on the Facebook group then, but uh, yeah, pause. It talking eBay. I'm probably going to go with um, the Palatoy forty-five A. Not too far away. It was twenty A. Uh, was Palatoy one thousand three hundred twenty yeah. recorded? But well, uh, was, that was on Vectors, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. I just bought one of those at <laughs> Father's Farm for 120 quid in December. Nice. And now, the top five priced figure-related items from StarWarsTracker.com. First time in the top five. No idiot is stripping this golden rod down. It's a graded loose C-3PO for 644 American dollars. At four, it's the place to be if you're a snake, a lizard, or a young lad in search for a shrimpy-sized green Jedi Master. It's a great Kenner Canada Dagobah action playset for 1,378 North American bucks. At three, but no stranger to this countdown, it's the original Desert Scavenger, but without the cuteness factor Jedi builders or cracking smile. It's a loose Kenner Vinyl Cake Jawa for 1,887 greenbacks. Her too, she's not only the fiercest space princess in the known galaxy, she's also this month's hottest ungraded minuncard figure. It's a Kenner Star Wars 12A Princess Leia Organa for 2,758 bucks. But at number one, it's the baddest of all motivators. He's the one you simply cannot return for a refund or swap for the blue one. It's a graded minuncard Kenner Star Wars 20E R5D4 for 3,001 bad boys. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Something I covered at uh, Father's From, which was putting together your loose run. Now, obviously from last year, uh, to put together a loose run of just kind of the basic set of figures, so no loose, no, no snaggletooths, no kind of Dianogas, just the, the, the main set of figures would put you back about £2,200 and that was using data from across the board um, and it worked out the last 17 was would set you back just under a 1000 uh, the first 12 or 13 if you include the two hands would be around about 270 and then obviously the middle section is the rest of that money um, so we started off this year with an auction by one of our good friends uh, Mr Ian Sanderson and this might well destroy this data for next year of 2016 because it has really started with a bang now Rich you put me onto this auction do you want to give me an overview of what we've seen 
Yeah, I was just astounded. I mean, Ian had put a thread on the forum to say that he was going to do a little experiment. But there were about 20 figures that he put on eBay. All of them in, in real top condition. He, he just wanted to see how, how they would go. And some I've expected. I've expected some of the figures to hit the £90 because there's been others that we've seen. But I was astounded by the price of what I see as common figures like the, the Staggletooth, which I think went for £44. Was that correct? <laughs> the loose red Staggletooth? Yep. We also had a Stormtrooper as well. A normal everyday average lovely and white stormtrooper now just to let you know in the, the first 12 the average last year for a stormtrooper being paid across the board was 15 quid and this one went for 77 pounds there's nothing special about it just a normal very lovely fresh fluffy flowery looking stormtrooper that is ridiculous and it didn't end there did it it did not end there no it didn't it got a lot worse Weirdly, the Yak Face, which averaged £181 last year, went for less. Well, there we go. There was a Princess Leo gone, and now she is a pretty thing, and she does go for lots of money, but I still think £102 was a little bit much. I mean, the, again, the average price last year, £36, and that's for a, for a complete figure. But, I mean, is, is this something we're going to get have to get used to that this is going to go through the roof this year I mean are we talking that that loose collections are not going to go for 2200 I mean if, if you took the average price of what's going here across these figures the first 12 is going to be to almost 2000 pounds Grant you you have a theory that that I mean I I thought maybe the, the vintage prices was kind of like kind of mellow out a little bit when people turn attention to maybe sort of more modern stuff but is this forcing you into modern stuff because the vintage prices are going through the roof? Hard to say, actually. I think I'm quite interested in modern stuff. I think we've definitely seen the game changer. I think this is the biggest impact on loose vintage figures that we've probably ever seen. Uh, interestingly enough, the guy who actually started me collecting vintage Star Wars messaged me on Facebook yesterday. It's the first time I've actually heard from him in about 10 years. And I sent him the link to that auction as well, which totally blew his mind because I remember him selling us like Princess Leia figures were about £5 and I think the cape was about £5. Uh, now £90, uh, which I think is insane. I think these figures, though, didn't they come pretty much off the card? Like the, whoever owned them would take them off the card and that was it. That's why they were like, you know, C10 condition. That was one of the reasons why people wanted them so much, but at the same time, um, yeah, completely foreign to uh, these kind of prices. And also, you know, I always thought of a loose collection of figures would be about a grand and a half. Well, just look at the amount of people on the uh, that have joined Star Wars Forum since the run-up and release of The Force Awakens. You know, it was an incredibly nostalgic film, and I, you know, I could see how people that wouldn't have been interested so much in Star Wars or had it back in their childhood because the film is so nostalgic to A New Hope. I can imagine loads of, you know, 30 to 50-year-old men going, oh, I remember playing with the action figures. I wonder how much they are these days. And it's the same story that you hear all the time. I'm just going to buy a few loose figures. I'm just going to get, like, a loose set of figures. I'm just going to get a loose set of figures with weapons. Next thing you know, you're spending £4,000 on a piece of cardboard. I, I was around a you know someone I know who's local around his house looking at his collection. He wanted me to give him a kind of a, a brief kind of thought about how much it's worth and he to insure it. And you know he was he was sitting there all sorts of bits and pieces and he he kind of I was trying to try and help him kind of focus a little bit because I know how how bad you can get because he is surrounded with modern stuff and vintage stuff and, and whatever. 
and it is it, it is enlivened people and you know he had the su- kind of support from his family and his kids are into Star Wars as well and and it's it's, it's seen as an ex- kind of acceptable thing to do as well I mean people it's like yeah let's collect Star Wars it's it's cool it's back in the in the you know in the public eye there's there's no reason why you can't get out there and enjoy vintage collection but I did warn him please try and you know focus a bit maybe look at you know finish your, your vintage loose run and maybe not get into mocks <laughs> which I warned him as I was running out of his house. Well, I've just looked at one of Ian's figures here, the, the Ben Kenobi complete, okay, sold for £56. Mm-hmm. So I've clicked on the, the highest bidder. The highest bidder currently has a feedback of 30. Now, he's only made 30 bids, and 23 of his 30 bids were with Ian. So I went down through Ben Kenobi, you know, once it hits about £29, that's when you start to think, hold on a second, it's going stupid here. The guy who bids £30 only has 30 feedback the guy who takes it up to 50 pounds only has a 17 feedback the guy who takes it up to 55 has a 55 feedback so all of these guys have got low feedback amounts so it is suggesting that these are new people who are just coming on eb and going okay ben kenobi well i'm bin up it's went up to 45 it must be worth more than that i'm going to stick a little bit more on and i think we've got a lot of people here who are new who are just not doing the research and not shopping about yeah, and it also suggests the uh, the amount of um, disposable income people have as well. I mean, if people are kind of happy to burn a hundred pounds, I mean, you know, a hand a hand solo, small head hand, you know, ninety two pound, um, a C three PO, yes, they're beautifully mint, but a hundred pound again. I mean, that's two hundred pound already on on figures, and that that is what could have bought you an entire first twelve stroke thirteen run, you know, last year, and that's two figures. Yes, they're mint, but for goodness sake, it's hard to gauge this as a bubble. Because if the next film, we've got one every, it looks like one every Christmas for at least the next five years. And if they're, if they're making $2 billion uh, back per film, I'm sure Disney might make a few more. Is it sustainable? I mean, if, if Rogue One comes out and that's another massive hit and makes everyone nostalgic because it's got Darth Vader in it or it's got the Death Star in it and vintage TIE Fighters, I mean, it's just going to just carry on and carry on. And <laughs> it'll be the majority of people have a Star Wars collection in the house rather than just a couple of us. Now I want to welcome back Michael Cooper for this month's Rapid Fire. You ready, Mike? I'm ready. I was born ready. Favourite Star Wars movie? A New Hope, but um, Force Awakens is creeping up. Favourite Star Wars scene? When they're in the trash compactor. Favourite on-screen character? I suppose it depends on the movie, but Han Solo. Um, your favourite lightsaber jewel? Return of the Jedi, Luke Invader. Uh, which actor or crew member do you most like to meet? Daisy Ridley. Favorite scene in The Force Awakens? The part when they're out, outside on the Starkiller base and Han Solo says, that's not how the Force works. And your favorite new character in The Force Awakens? Toss up, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. Padme, Leia or Ray? Ray. What type of character would you be in the Star Wars universe? And what would you call yourself? 
Oh my god, I would be a I would be a smuggler, I suppose, and I would just I'd I'd be Mike. I'd I'd be suave. I well, no, you know what? I'd attempt to be suave, but I'd probably be just as goofy as I am in real life. What was your favorite figure as a child? Probably have been Luke Jedi. And what's your favorite figure now? My favorite figure now is either Luke Jedi or a Hawk Stormtrooper. Luke Jedi. Which character do you wish they had made a figure of? I always wish they had um, the Rebel Fleet Trooper. My cloud car pilot always stood in for Rebel Fleet Trooper, so I wish they had made him. Which figure accessories do you think were the best? Luke Beston. Favorite vehicle or playset? The Millennium Falcon. Vehicle or playset you wish they had made? The Blockade Runner. What is your favorite vintage Ewok toy? Favorite vintage Ewok toy is Wicket W. Warwick. Um, which is your favorite character cardback image? That is a great question. Um, I think R2-D2 with pop-up lightsaber. I love the color combination. Uh, what is your favorite oddball item? Presto Magic. I used to buy those all the time. I don't know if you remember those yes, or not. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, nice. What was the last vintage item you purchased? A Mint on Card, Power of the Force, Lando General Pilot. And finally, what is your Holy Grail item? Um, I aim low. <laughs> I don't know if I have a, a Holy Grail item, but the thing I want most is a just a, either a Luke or Han 12 back. Aim low, you won't be disappointed, I guess. Well, Michael, thank you ever so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Right, onto this month's rapid fire question for you boys then, and I want to know which planet would you most want to live on and why? And let's start with our, our forgotten man, Jezebel. What's the name of Maz's planet filmed in the UK? Flown up and down um, those lakes myself on numerous occasions. Just glorious, lovely, really, really nice. Uh, or I was initially going to say Endor. However, I just uh, I think I just love trees. Hippie. Pete? Ooh, I don't like it hot, so I have to be Hoth. Rich? Probably Coruscant, because that's where the, all the action is, and that's where I'd want to be. Sorry, can you say Coruscant again? Coruscant. <laughs> I'm sure you said something far ruder. <laughs> he really emphasised that C, didn't he, later in the world? He did. He did go a bit farther. Uh, Grant? Death Star. <laughs> I just like the idea of just like blowing up like little Baz's castle hippie planets. Sounds great. This is really weird, because... I always put Grant down as the hippie, and and his mate, the one in the forces, wants to live by the trees, and Grant <laughs> just wants to blow stuff up. What's going on there? I'm surprised you want to live on the Death Star. Very great. I, I think they'd have amazing slides on there. Do you think they'd have a Costa? No. <laughs> no, Jez, they wouldn't have a Costa. Why would they have a Costa? In space. They're everywhere. Jez, that, that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It didn't exist. Didn't, didn't Battlestar Galactica have a Starbucks? Rich, Rich, can I just say, I got that. I don't think this lot did. What, Starbuck Rogers? What? <laughs> Buck Rogers. Yeah, I told you I didn't get it. Well, now, episode 20 was our fastest downloaded episode ever and appears to have been well received. Rich, do we have much feedback from that episode? Well, 
you know, you've, you've alluded to it there, um, episode 20 was just mental. Lots of feedback, and we're, we're stunned to see the hits arriving, continuing and continuing. Uh, guys, anyone know where this ranks in our uh, top listening shows, whereabouts is it placed, considering it's only been out a couple of weeks now? It's number nine, mate, and it's vying for the number eight spot. Wow, that, that's, that's crazy. I think we've got about one month's worth of downloads in within about three days. So anyway, as expected, uh, all three of the interviews were the huge draws, the Tommy, the Matt and the Craig interviews. Heaps of praise right across all of the forums and in private messages. And it's what we've always said, the guys who come on the show that make the show, we just pull it all together. But what's also cracking to see is that a lot of our listeners were inspired to go out and check the other articles, images and videos that we reference and point to. So quite a lot of guys said, oh yeah, I went to the SWCA blog and I read Tommy's article. A few people had said that they went and checked out Matt's video. Um, a few guys had said, you know, if they were lived in Canterbury area, they would have loved to have went down and seen that and thought, wow, how great would it be to have your collection on display? A lot of people really liked the Craig interview, talked about Helix items and said, it's nice to see something that's oddball come out for a change. So I'm glad all our efforts are appreciated. Jason Smith posted some photos of a questioner asked about incorrect punch tabs. And he's got some photographs on his website where he shows the punch tabs on the Palatoy Jabba were actually in the wrong place. Um, and it couldn't have hung correctly where they were. Um, so he suggested that there probably are some kind of ones out there where the punch tabs were in the wrong place and therefore wouldn't hang square. Stephen Savory came on the forum and also talked a little bit about Nigo's auctions. He's got a theory in that Nigo is given a virtual like, god status over in the Far East. And he has lots and lots of fans who, you know, follow him everywhere. And there's very, very likely to be a huge audience of followers wanting to purchase any items owned by him. So so that's quite plausible. Um, we've got a lot of feedback on other forums. So over on TIG, um, Paul Ford, who we've, we've had on before, um, he particularly enjoyed the Craig's Bive interview. And he talked also about the at boxes that um, Mike S has put on Stores Forum UK. So he's now donated his pictures to the project outside the box thread. So TIG are getting um, a little bit of push and a little bit of assistance from us, which is great. Over on the new forum, Tantive 11, Paul Armory, who's, um, we all know him, and you, you guys shared a good time with Paul over on Anaheim, and he's coming over at CE3, so it's going to be great catching up with the PR with him. He said that he really, really enjoyed the show, and is really looking forward to, you know, chat those guys at some point in the future. Quite a lot of guys have come on and said, your shows are too short, can we have a five-hour special, an eight-hour special? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's making tears to me eyes. I, I couldn't dream of releasing an eight-hour show, but it, we're really pleased that guys aren't put off by the length of the show as much anymore and they're realising well look I, I can commute to this I can pause it I can uh, come back to it another day and um, I can stop it at different points when the music's come on which is exactly what we've banged on about pretty much from day one so I'm glad to see that we've we've done away from that now a couple of private messages that we've got I mean um, Tommy and Craig and obviously Matt have all come on and said you know thanks for having me really enjoyed the time we'd love to come back on again in the future which is great and um, we do have a queue of guests though so I'm not exactly sure where we're going to fit everybody back on again. One private message that I had from um, Shaky Cleverly, who's you know always complimenting me on our Facebook page. He's just basically said, you know, loved all the interviews, particularly checked out the Jedi News interview, and he loved that as well. Really fuels his passion for the hobby. Yeah, lots of education in there. Obviously, that's from the other guys, not us. The number one top podcast, so so thanks for that. There's so many of you are now seeing that we're the number one podcast for listening for Star Wars information and for Star Wars news, and, and that really makes us proud, and, and we're, we're pleased that we're, um, we've got so many listeners out there who are enjoying what we do, um, as long as you just don't take it all too seriously, like we don't. 
That's right, and we really do love receiving feedback here, and it's great to see it coming from so many different outlets. So if you want to leave us feedback, you can do so by emailing us directly on show at vintagerebellion.co.uk. Find us on Facebook, just search The Vintage Rebellion Podcast, on Twitter at SWTVR Podcast, and on Instagram, search The Vintage Rebellion. And don't forget, you can listen to all our current and recent shows on iTunes, or find the complete back catalogue of the show over at SWTVR Podcast. .podbean.com and please 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 don't forget if you've yet to do so to go onto Jez's Just Giving page and make a donation to his wonderful cause. Jez, what was the Just Giving page again? Thanks very much mate. The Just Giving page is www.justgiving.com forward slash The Force Awaken or quite simply go onto Facebook and search for Make a Star Wars Wish and you'll see all the information I think I've uploaded a video of me having a little run in my Stormtrooper outfit. So, yeah, thanks very much for that. That's awesome. Yeah, trust me, make a donation. You'll all feel good about yourself. Huge thanks to our guests this month, to Michael Cooper, Chris Coney, Marco Van Dyke, Clint Garnis, and Andrew Norton. So, from every one of us, thank you so much for listening and your continued support. For now, it is good night from Richard. Later, guys. Goodbye from Jezebel. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Good night from Grant. Hey, thanks for all the support. And goodbye from Petey. Someone sell me a damn A-wing complete. (laughs) And it's good night from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Teddy! Oh, hello, R2. 3PO. Hello, Master Warwick. R2 has an urgent message for you. Oh, uh, Sir Terry, uh, sorry I'm late, the cab got lost and... Uh... Stop your jabbering. I just got word from the BBC. They have a task for you. They want you to bring a Star Wars superfan on stage for the all-important first totalizer of the night. Uh, yes, uh, Sir Terry. Call me Jedi Master Wogan. <laughs> I've got an awesome question for next time. Awesome. Almost as awesome as that? It is, but it will take you with some preparation time, so... I can up. remember Grant saying to us for three months, oh, I've got the greatest <laughs> question ever. And then he asked us what looked like a pint of Guinness. <laughs> I suppose it stayed in the memory, Grant, eh? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I really I, enjoyed it. I, I just like, I'd hear Richard go, again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard, I'm going to do that all podcast. It's got to stay in, though, because I just loved hearing about Pete crying on a Saturday night. <laughs> so who's good at swimming? Atta. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, you know, like a dog, isn't there? <laughs>
just stands in the pool. There's <laughs> great dog swimmers that look like Atats, yes. I'm just going to go yeah. and have a drink. Yeah, yes. Ooh, no, Leicester are winning. Beat Liverpool, two, beat Liverpool 2 0. Oh, well, bad luck there, Stu. Um, yeah, uh, good question. Who's edited that? 